What's up, all you beautiful people? How you been? It's been a while. Been a while. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About a about a month, I think, since the last episode. Um, maybe a little more. And uh, you know, I'm sorry for not getting things out as much, but uh, I was working on a job working on a TV set actually, um, which was awesome. And then, uh, someone on my team tested positive for the COVID and, uh, and a whole group of us did. And I got pretty sick and, uh, I'm still kind of recovering from the whole process. It was, could have been a lot worse. I'm grateful that it wasn't more intense, but, uh, but it still was no fun and took me out, uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks, so I've just been slowly recovering, um, did my full, you know, isolation, quarantine, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm past, you know, the infectious stage, and um, now it's just the recovery, and uh, so with that behind me, you know, um, I'm trying to get back into the the regular swing of things and uh one of those one of one of the benchmarks of that is is getting back into doing more episodes cuz this is uh something i really enjoy doing and and um you know it is kind of a flow and and when you get you know with any creative practice it, you know when you fall out of it it can be it can take some time and effort to get back into like a regular a pattern, even if it's something that you really love to do, um, which I do. And so, uh, for this episode, it, it really was a jumping back in and, and, and I had a blast. Um, my guest today is a friend of mine who, uh, I don't know super well, but, but, you know, the beautiful thing about doing these podcasts is it's an amazing way to, get to know people as well, you know, who, who you may be acquainted with. Maybe I haven't spent a lot of time, but, you know, it, one of the things I love about this is, you know, over the course of a couple hours of like focused and intentional conversation, you, you leave, uh, you know, I usually leave with a much greater understanding and connection, uh, to the people that I sit down with. So this was certainly the case, uh, with my guest today. His name is Tope, um, or Anthony, depending on which contest you're ask, which context you're asking him in. Um, but yeah, but he goes by Tope. That's his artist alias. And, uh, Tope, uh, a couple years ago, sublit a room with my brother, Tony at his place. And, uh, and I remember my brother telling me about him that he was this like cool hip hop producer dude with a really like interesting personality and and I've talked to him a couple times over the years we've we've kicked it before but never like f- for this much time so um you know in the scope of what this show is about and talking about you know people that are pursuing their creative vision and um, and making art and exploring their own creativity. He seemed like the perfect match for this and he did not disappoint. 
um, yeah, Tope's a hip hop producer, a rapper, and uh, as well as a a promoter, and uh, he has his own company, like a PR firm for artists, for most notably like hip hop artists, and um, so I, it was a really interesting conversation that we get into. You know, we kind of start talking about the Warriors and doing some dub talk. And uh, and with this with this conversation, it really just started like naturally and we've kind of flow into the meat of it, I think, like 20 minutes in or half an hour in. So, um, you know, if you're not uh, entertained by our Warriors banter, feel free to skip ahead. But I think it's pretty awesome. Um. Yeah, and just, you know, just hearing the story of someone that that has really made their own way in their life. Who's learned from, you know, their mistakes and their successes and who is still actively, uh, you know, on this creative path and, and really like, you know, buying into it really invested in it, really pushing for it, you know, I, I, you know, one of the things about doing this show, uh, that keeps reminding me that this is like, uh, a worthy enterprise is just the feeling that I have when I get done with, with recording an episode. Um, so often when I sit down with people on this show, I leave feeling so inspired and excited and it's just like this reminder that that you know that i just get i get to that there's people doing this the good work the exciting work and it gets me super fired up and after sitting down you know with anthony for two and a half hours uh i was fired up i was super inspired afterwards and uh I hope that you feel the same way. I hope that, that all you listening to this out there are inspired by this story and, and, and by what this guy's doing. And, and his music is dope. You know, Tope is dope. Um, and I, 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 I felt even more strongly that after listening to, uh, you know, to him talk about his story and, and his practice. Um, so I hope you all find it uh as interesting and inspiring as i did um so let's just jump into it um without without further ado let me present to you my man tope on this episode 34 of the bartcast great to hear from you what a surprise <laughs> They both kind of do the same thing. LeBron is not like he's he's a great player, but he's like he's not like a a shot. He's a like at this point, I feel like he's like a drive and kick or facilitate. You know, he his three point is not a bad shooter, but I mean, I feel like they need like that Danny Green type, you know, Danny Green Spurs Mm -hmm. type 
type shooter or whatever. And then the Warriors also. Do you hear? Have that you heard anything about whether Lillard's coming or not? I don't think I think he's staying for sure. I think yeah. he's for sure staying in Portland, definitely. But did you see the package that the Sixers tried to get from the Warriors for Ben Simmons? Let me see. Wiseman, Wiggins. I'd have to look it up now. I can't remember. It was a ridiculous. They were asking so much. That's crazy. So wait, so the Lakers, it's called Contavious Caldwell Pope. Kuzma. Kuzma. And and, uh, Montrez Harold or whatever. For Westbrook. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, the number seven and the number 14, and two future round picks for Ben Simmons. That's what the Sixers were asking. After no. after what he just did too, no. <laughs> yeah, no. tripping. Daryl no, Morey is tripping. tripping. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm really excited to see like who we draft. I hope we can hold on to Wiseman. Yeah, like I think that like as far as like we need a like a young big man. I think he's gonna be good. I think he's gonna be good. I saw potential over the last season for sure. I mean. Maybe it'll take longer than we wanted, but I think that, uh, that focusing on like, like in my opinion, like, you know, depending on how clay looks, Mm -hmm. that's the big X factor, but we really need like some more role players definitely, and some more scorers Mm -hmm. and we really need a second string point guard. Yeah. You know, that was kind of like what was glaringly, we have a lot of like kind of you know, two guard types, you know, people underestimate how, how big Sean Livingston was Mm -hmm. in his role. And he was so like, well, actually, literally he was so much bigger than people that he could like do so much in that backup point guard. role. Mm -hmm. But no, I feel you. But just like after watching, uh, Wanamaker dude last year, Uh like, uh like what it looks like when you don't have, a second string leader to run the offense. Yeah. Like we, that was a huge hole in the Warriors, you know. Definitely. They need a bunch. They had, I mean, their their second string during those championship rungs was crazy. They had a gang of players, like a gang of really good reserves. Mm -hmm. Game changers, like Iguodala, you know what I'm saying? All these people that were just like, yeah, I'm I'm thinking of what's the, what was the older dude? Uh, David, um, David West. David West. Yeah, he was like, a beast. Tough, dude. dude my, you know? my boy. Uh, he was tough. Mo Buckets, dude. Right, right. <laughs> he was tough. But had yeah. a lot of good good reserves. I mean, sure. we do. Our reserves towards the end of the season this, this last year were starting to look really good. I like Jordan Poole a lot. Me too. He's, he's so be, explosive. He's, he's going to so be. Quick. And I saw some clips of him in Summer League. He looks crazy. Yeah. Like, he looks super good. I think he, he really needs uh you know a facilitator because mm-hmm. we were putting that weight on him kind mm-hmm. of like thinking maybe he would be the second string point guard but it really seems like having maybe someone that's a little more of a veteran who can get the the offense going yeah and free him up to like move off the ball for sure and uh and get more looks like i think that he's going to be you know, a great, uh, a great asset long-term as well as JTA, dude. I love Juan yeah. Toscano, dude. Yeah. 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 
Oakland born he's and raised. Exactly, 98. He's he's a great find for them, or 95th, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, he's a great find for them, definitely. And he's got the heart, too, man. He's yeah. just a, it's an easy player to love. I hope know? they hold on to him. Mm-hmm. I hope they hold on to him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dope. It's a good story, too. So, you know, and... You know, again, like I, I'm of the philosophy that, uh, you know, being a child of the nineties, like I, I really appreciate teams that like grow their own stars Yeah, and yeah. like investing in younger players r- rather than like trying to bring another superstar to the Warriors. Totally. Like I was one of the rare people, like when Anti-KD. Durant came here, like <laughs> I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Like Pretty I sure. thought it was a crazy that we were able to pull it off. And like, yeah, who doesn't love seeing their home team get ridiculously good. One of the best NBA players. ever. Yeah. You know. He's amazing. But I personally enjoyed watching the Warriors as a squad yeah. way more before he came. And yeah. I thought that like the first championship team that we had was a lot more interesting for sure. And played a much better, like, version of basketball. Like, I'm not a big ISO guy. Mm-hmm. I like seeing, like, good fundamental team play. Yeah. And we kind of, the the dubs, like, answered that question of, like, superstar team built around one guy, mm-hmm. a.k.a. LeBron. Mm-hmm. Or the team that plays together as a team. Yeah. And, like, time and again, you know, we, we won games as that, you know with that and and then you know of course kd came and all that stuff happened but and they still had that underdog spirit before kd where it was like man this team is like you know the war and then it felt like they were you know they're just so good when we mm-hmm. had kd like like damn okay now we're the 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 villains of the league but mm-hmm. before it was like okay still the underdog still the yeah. team that everyone counted out you know from the small universities all this stuff like but yeah, it definitely changed the dynamic a lot. But there was also some, I mean, some amazing basketball during that KD era of like just the way they were all able to coexist and share the ball. And like some of the ball movement was yeah. just like fantastic. You know what I'm saying? Really, really crazy to watch. And and another reason why Steph is so, you know, inspiring and amazing, just how many players at his level would have like the humility to be able to like, you know, he was like happy to let KD step up and, exactly. and, and get so much, you know, in the way of looks and space. And especially in that time of his career, like right? the prime, you know what I'm saying? He could have those two MVP finals saying that they got back there. I mean, those could have been his, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Which yeah. add to his legacy and all that type of stuff. Like, and then he definitely got to remind the league this last season, how great, he mm-hmm. was like especially without you know every team knew steph was getting the ball every night and still putting up 40, Dude, triple 50, teams like just every game crazy yeah. like no, there was, was a period where i was like all right i gotta get home to watch steph because yeah. i know he's about to go crazy tonight oh no i watched what. more i watched more nba more warriors games this last season than i have the whole rest of my life combined hmm. like i That's watched almost up. every game this season yeah and it was for the story. It was like more interesting, even though we lost, than some of those years with KD winning everything because it was like, yeah, you know, there was we, we were in it again. There was stakes. It yeah. was you know like I definitely can remember like some of my favorite Blazer teams were were like the years we weren't 
the best mm. you know like years we had kenny anderson and like just off years as i the isaiah Ryder years stuff like that where i'm like no that was my squad right there you know mm. we weren't like you know portland they weren't in the western conference champions finals or whatever but it was still like man that was that was a team full of dogs you know like mm-hmm. they were fun to watch or whatever i definitely remember some of those squads that i like loved a lot you know that uh, me and Tony's uncle was on the Blazers. I do remember him telling se- me that. In the 70s. I do yeah. remember him telling me that. That's uh, tight. Greg Lee. That's super tight. He, uh, he was on the um, UCLA, like the Fab Five Bruins team with okay. uh, Bill Walton. and Tight. Uh, him and Bill Walton are best friends. So That's what's up. I think when Bill came to the Blazers, our uncle, he was playing on the Clippers, and then he decided or, to come on. I forget if he went to the Blazers before the Clippers, but... But he was like a professional beach volleyball player and also a basketball player. How sick. The he, life, man. Yeah. Jeez, like, wow. The life yeah. right there. And he, uh, yeah, he, he played for the Blazers. <laughs> and uh, That's what's up. He, he was, he's, he was hella good. He was, he's a tall dude, but he just had so many health problems mm. and, uh, you know, had like a career ending injury and um, mm-hmm. has continued to struggle with that stuff, but. I assume Portland, like, playing for Portland in the 70s was probably, and knowing how, like, the players back then partied, it was probably oh, pretty yeah. a fun time. Like, my oh, mom yeah. used to say she would just see Bill Walton, like, walking down the street. Like, he would just be kicking it downtown Portland. Like, mm-hmm. Just regular, you know, like. Barefoot, probably. <laughs> tie-dye shirt yeah. or something like that. Like, Yeah, I heard a funny story about, uh, apparently when Luke Walton was in college, you know, Bill Walton, uh, you know, they, they would have parties at the Walton estate and like Bill Walton would stand at the front door with like a bong and like the rule was in order to leave or, or, or enter, you had to take a bong rip Hilarious. and he was like the enforcer. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, That's really funny. I'm yeah. Sure our, Luke Walton has had a pretty interesting life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, I, he did great as the coach when he coached that season at, for the dubs yeah. when, when yeah. uh i mean he's a, he Kerr won a championship with the lakers right with kobe and that did they win it he was on a championship he team was, i think uh yeah well he was on one of those right like 2001 think, or something i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure yeah yeah i mean just even just playing that many years with kobe is pretty, right you know amazing in itself yeah. osmos greatness through osmosis uh-huh. i mean i remember i remember the, the the season that kerr had was having like the back issues yeah when Walton had to take over, he had like a 22 game win streak or something like that. Yes, the best part of that when I remember reading like an article, like the funniest part of that was like they were like him and Draymond were too good of friends, and they kind of needed to reel it back because Draymond was pretty much running the team yeah. through Luke Walton, <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh, yeah. which is just hilarious. They're like, yeah, they were they were like too close, uh-huh. and Draymond was just like run it you know with Kerr gone right <laughs> and, right, they, and yeah. they kind of bumped heads he's like yeah i'm just telling luke walton to do whatever <laughs> he's doing whatever i say like draymond's an interesting guy like For like sure. character as far as the you know he's he's an amazing player he's mm-hmm. an amazing personality but for a max contract like <laughs> to me like I love Draymond, mm-hmm. and I couldn't see him playing on any other team. However, 
he doesn't score enough buckets <laughs> to sure. warrant the amount of money we're paying. For sure. You know? that, that, they're loyal. I will yeah. say that. Like, I, that's cool to me because it would kind of it would kind of hurt if they just shipped him off. You know what I'm saying? It would be kind of like, dang, like, Draymond did so much for, mm-hmm. for the Warriors, you totally. know? So I guess that's them showing their loyalty, which is pretty cool. You talk about the intangibles, and he's like the king of the, all the intangibles on the court. Yeah. But the end of the day like basketball is a sport about making buckets mm-hmm. not saying that i don't love him on the team and i wouldn't want us to try to keep him in any way i'm just saying like if you're paying a dude 170 mil for sure like he's got to be putting up 20 points a night for like, sure, like sure. and i'm thinking of that last little floater that he missed to oh yeah like that was just like <sighs> he there were many games this last season where he like single-handedly lost it in the fourth quarter. Well, I I love Draymond, but I've been saying this for years. Like his fall off is going to be a little bit tough because when he loses that step mm-hmm. or loses that vertical reach, and people are going to remember that he was kind of an enforcer, kind of a dick, and he's people are going to go head hunting, you oh, know, yeah. like posters and mm-hmm. and just try and you know go after him. And he's already kind of an undersized defender at that too, like. So I've, I've kind of been saying that as much as I do, I love Draymond. He's, he's, I love those type of players. Yeah. Like the PJ Tuckers, the Draymonds, mm-hmm. like those are some of my favorite guys. Like, yeah. but, um, and, and, and it is hard to maintain when your game is such a physical one. Yeah. You know, that's something that I was during the finals, like watching Giannis mm. who had an amazing finals, mm. like yeah. especially that last game was one of the most crazy basketball games I've ever watched. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, but he's another one of those players where, like, when he starts to get into his late 20s, early 30s, like, how long is he going to be able to maintain the level of physicality? Totally. Like, he's not a finesse player. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what he does is just, like, slam into <laughs> the hoop. Yeah. And he's, like, crazy athletic, and he yeah. does a lot of good, like, up-and-unders and moves. Um and he's quick for his size, but when he, you know, and maybe he has an foul. injury yeah. or, you know, like there's a certain level when you start to get older where like you got to have something, you know, Dude, totally. even myself now, 33, sure, like I've changed bro. my whole game up. For sure. I had to develop a mid-range jumper because <laughs> I was always getting by on quickness and uh-huh. aggression and, you know, a couple injuries like that I can't. If I want to play basketball, I got to play a softer game. For sure, bro. And that's one of the amazing things about LeBron is like just his body. You know, it's, it's like talking about your uncle. It's like it's one thing to make it to the league. Like that's a feat in itself. And to be an athlete, like that amazing of an athlete to be a professional athlete. And then it's another thing to like keep your body in shape for 10 plus years. Like that in itself is an incredible feat. Like, yeah. To not have these injuries that, you know, LeBron's career or some of these other players' career who, like, haven't really had major injuries, that's that's a championship in itself. You know what I'm saying? Just to keep your body in that shape. Totally. Like, I think about Greg Oden and all these type of people where it's like they had the most potential in the world, but their injuries were their downfall, you know? Like, and they were never even close to reaching their potential as far as, like what they could have been because of their body, you know, and that's like a whole nother side of the professional athlete. It's like being a famous musician and keeping your mental health in check. Mm -hmm. It's like amazing. These people who can, who can maintain, you know, like these Jay-Z's or Beyonce's who haven't had much controversy and they're the 
biggest artists in the world right. like that's why they are who they are you know like or other people that get a little bit of fame and just freak out and mm-hmm. just, <laughs> just just lose it you know screaming and yelling and crying in their camera and all this stuff like it's part of the game there are know? those like there's like the intangibles of like being the perfect that perfect like synergy of, of talent of drive and then as of like personality and, for sure and fortitude yeah and it's you know it's rare to to get all those in, one, in one person yeah. and and you know we we as a culture we focus so much on the output mm-hmm. and on the you know the kind of visible skill of what your craft is, what your art is, but yeah. uh, I've been finding a lot in my own personal journey with with being a, a creative and choosing that path. Uh, just how much the work is actually about, like maintaining my mental health, big and wrestling with like the the feelings of failure, the feelings of totally uh, inadequacy, inadequacy. Yeah. That you know that. Just, just like maintaining the like little tentative flame of wanting to keep making art. Mm, yeah, you know, because yeah. on any given day, because it <laughs> could feel defeating. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's a lot of things I think people don't take into consideration until they're in that position. And I see like people, mainly like online. You know, it's a lot of like criticism of other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm never the. I'm like, well, you know, I, I try and just catch myself. But even like whether it's athletes or actors or musicians, I'm like, man, like. People don't know how hard it is to be in that position or keep going or keep being successful or keep having a prolific output until you're in that position. Like, it's it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? And, like, people are so harsh on other people, so quick to judge when they haven't ever experienced that in their own life or, like, been through something mm-hmm. like that, too. You know, they just go to they just go to their job every day where it's like I know I just have to clock in, clock out, do mm-hmm. my job, but they're not really taking that risk of like being an artist or being an athlete or being somewhere that out, putting themselves out there like that, you know, and it's like it's funny that just how quick people are to criticize without yeah. putting themselves in the footsteps like could you get there? Right. How would you do in this championship game? Right. Like, you know, like it's just funny like so I always try and have I guess empathy in that mm-hmm. in that in that way regard towards other people, and it's such a like to me like we were just talking about like that's such a in itself like how powerful is it when you meet someone who has experienced great success and achievement and is able to have that like humility or that yeah. like kindness. That you see those leaders that are created leaders of creativity that are like have made their personal brand about lifting up mm-hmm. the other people in their community or, or even just being friendly, being kind, you yeah. know. Yeah. It, it, sure. it's such a like undervalued trait, but it you know, you do see these people that become they experience their own success and then they pay it forward, Definitely. you know, with the next generation and, and it, it means so much as a creative when you do encounter someone who's a little bit farther down totally. the, the road than you and is like supportive of what you're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I definitely like you're describing how I feel about, about gift to gab, rest in peace who mm. passed away recently. Mm-hmm. He's like, 
and I've just been thinking about him so much since he passed away, but he was one of the best examples of that, like, an amazing artist, and he never stopped being, like, a student of the game, and just never stopped being humble, and never stopped, like, being a fan of the stuff, and it was so refreshing to be around him after being around just different type of energies and also kind of like being in a different place where I was when I first met him too. Like I think I was a little bit like on my high horse too as an artist and being around him made made me even humble just seeing the way he moved and was always like appreciative of so much and was and was like, you know, a, a underrated legend in my eyes, you mm-hmm. know, as far as music goes and it's yeah. refreshing. It's definitely like especially after just you know, being in L.A. and being around so many people that are trying so hard to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like a lot of artists at my level were all still, you know, scratching and climbing for our position. And, and it could tear it tears some people down. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it really, like, changes some people sometimes, you know, for the for the worse. And, like, being around someone like that, it, it really is refreshing and, like, rejuvenates your whole spirit you know how how did you uh how did you connect with him like how did he how did you find yourself being a well my uh my friend I'm trying to remember exactly well I mean when I was in high school uh there was this group in Portland called Lifesavers and they were like the biggest group in Portland and they signed to Quantum Projects which was owned by DJ XL and uh and um DJ Shadow Okay. Chief XL, sorry, and DJ Shadow. And Chief XL was the DJ in Black Alicious and Gift of Gab was the lyricist. So long story short, they used to always be in Portland doing shows with mm-hmm. Lifesavers. So like as a, as a high schooler, I used to go to their shows all the time and be like, it was probably the second or third like live show I'd ever gone to was theirs. But I saw them in concert like, I don't even know, 10 times mm-hmm. or something, so much. And then uh, later... Later in my career, my friend Landon Wordswell was touring with Gab like heavy, like he was basically his opening act on tour. And for whatever reason, he asked he asked me to come on one of their runs on uh, on one of their like Northwest runs. Landon just always like had love for me or whatever. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even like it wasn't even like Gab asked for me or anything like that. But then once we were on the road and I had brought my DJ too, so it was like all three of us sharing a DJ, kind of sharing, you know, opening sets, all this stuff or whatever. And he just took a liking to me and Landon. More Landon, you know, at first more Landon mm-hmm. than than me for sure, like, because they had a history and stuff. But he, he just, like, could tell I was a student of the game. He really liked my production. He was like, you know, Tope's dope. Like, Tope, mm-hmm. I fuck with Tope. You know what I'm saying? And so, and then I went on, like, two or three more tours with him when it was just me landing and gab and like we did some shows in the bay and then we really became friends like we ended he ended up he lived by the lake we ended up just like hanging out after tour he came over to my apartment we recorded i had produced a song on like his project that he was working on so nice it was really just like we had formed a friendship like on tour and then at the same time during this whole thing he was dealing with his kidney failure so we would like take him um drop him off and pick him up from his dialysis like after shows like some nights we would be like bro we can't we can't go out tonight because we have to get up at 6 a.m and take him to uh dialysis before this before we go do a drive to the next city or whatever so it really became like 
personal you know like we mm-hmm. it was all it was music but it was also like we got to see what how he was living day to day with this you know kidney failure and there's like a level of inevitable intimacy that you're for sure and it was like something i didn't i ne- i didn't expect that that was going to happen when we went on tour like i didn't know much about his health condition like to me gab was always this larger than life presence is you know he's like six three big dude mm-hmm. like and just a I was I was intimidated by him as a kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, he probably you know like I would be kind of nervous to meet him. And mm-hmm. then when I met him, he was the coolest guy. And but then was also going through his health stuff, so it mm-hmm. was really intimate. Like, and and we all just kind of like formed a friendship out of that out of that situation. You know, so long story long story long, but yeah, yeah. I was always so impressed with like. Of all the many, uh, like, aliases in Mm hip-hop, that dude, like, lived up to his name. Like, like his, like, just technical skill at, like, his ability to get words out. And, like, I remember, I forget what the song was, but in high school... Like I, I grew up listening to Black Alicious. Probably the Alphabet Aerobics. I mean, that's the famous so, okay. one. Yeah, but no, There's but another I, one too. Like, yeah, what's he? There was another one that was of like a concept song like that. For but sure. I remember one of my homies playing me like some of his early stuff mm-hmm. that like, you know, that I like connected with even stronger. You know, it was yeah. like a little more like traditional hip hop vibe, mm-hmm. like forty it, ounce for breakfast, type super of stuff. funky, like kind of. Yeah you know, more old. I've always like had a really strong love for like the old school vibes with hip hop. That's like, was what I first got into and just the kind of like funkier, uh, production production. And to me, like I really like the, the, what really first spoke to me me about hip hop was the honesty Mm -hmm. with, with, with people struggling and with, with like, like I've just those early like NWA songs, like you thinking lobster, I'm thinking Burger King. Right, like right. I drive a bucket, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like I always loved the the unashamed. Like I'm from the streets. I don't have a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest about my situation and do it through art. And yeah. that was like what would always inspire me so much. And and you know, I'm, as you as this as you are, like I'm from that generation that witnessed hip-hop the commercialization of hip-hop and hip-hop move from like talking about the realities of the life to like the 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 guns and hoes and cars and (laughs) And now it's just flex now it's just rich rap and now it's even like like, yeah it's like it's become so abstract it's like man you gotta really like i'm like actually sometimes i'm kind of impressed like mm -hmm. you guys really like know like you rap about like diamonds like damn you don't really know about these different type of diamonds you know what i'm saying (laughs) i'm like i wouldn't even know vvs is i'm like i'm clueless yeah yeah i have no idea no, it's like hyper now. It's like a almost a um, like I see these artists that are like so educated about materialism, <laughs> yeah. like to the point where like they know like this is the Louis Vuitton JXLY. Every watch, you know? every <laughs> like, brand, everything. Damn, I'm you like, did your research. You know? Yeah, like, I'm like, what happens to Rolexes? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you know that's it, it, it's it's definitely gotten harder for me to like to really uh, find like relevancy mm-hmm. with, with a lot of the subject matter and a lot of the topics. But, uh, but you know, then you, then you encounter, 
you know, artists that are doing it in their way. I, I really got into J. Cole a couple of years ago. For sure. And that would like kind of brought hip hop back into my life. Yeah. Um, I was trimming a lot of weed for years and, I, you know, I bumped a lot of his albums and the, uh, you know, did for me now, like hip hop occupies this really like unique corner of my life, which is like exercise. Mm, okay. Like I pretty much only bump hip hop uh when i exercise okay and i only bump hip-hop when i exercise you know what i mean yeah, like it's yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. now with like podcasts and all audiobooks like there's i listen to less music in general mm-hmm. and it's become more utilitarian in my life yeah but like when i go run or when i hit the gym that's your go-to like i gotta get my like you know i have this uh spotify radio station um, you know that song, I'm after the gold and after that, the platinum It's what I'm after. Tell me what I'm after. I don't know that one. I'm after to play it for you. Redman okay. did like a version of it. We okay. sampled it, but the original was, uh, this, this New Jersey group, but it's a dope, like, know. you know, like mid nineties, okay. uh, hip hop track. And I made a Spotify radio station of that song, oh, that song. Okay. and it's just, it's gold. Like, it's just like Fire. that vibe like of yeah this just kind of like mid to late 90s mm-hmm. underground hip-hop mm-hmm. and so um it's been fun running running to that kind of stuff and and uh but uh but yeah taupe i finally can introduce you know, we we're a, like that was, a, a, that was a long we we just you know we just bs for a while but it was good i think i mean in i'm like a year into doing this show and i have found that like I've done a lot of expermentation with like how I like to start. Sometimes it's just like, yo, what's up? Thanks for coming Thanks on the podcast. Right, right. You know, Big like, intro. but like, I kind of like the, like after I get the level set, like I like just kind of naturally vibing into a yeah. conversation yeah. and I'll hit record and like, you know, not trying to be deceptive or anything, but totally. like, I kind of just like to let, it flow and then at a certain point we kind of like yeah i didn't even know i just was talking basketball and i looked up and i saw the red i'm like oh we're recording but it's just like we're gonna talk about basketball anyway like Like, to me it's just like i like the what i love about podcasts is it is this um there's like this level of intimacy when we're like we're right now we're coming through uh you know people's ear earbuds or whatever like we're speaking into their ears uh-huh. and listening to a podcast is like the experience of like kind of walking into a room where a conversation is is going on and yeah. being a part of that being like a fly on the wall or a silent part of that conversation and so like i do enjoy like that having that kind of like gentle fade into a podcast yeah. where it's like yeah you know it's cool sometimes to start like a like a okay officially starting, but like I guess it too it kind of depends on your relationship with the person too. Yeah, like if you're kind of like meeting someone for the first time, you mm-hmm. probably can't have the conversation that we just had. But we've you know we've chopped it up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We have a relative like history, you right. know, so it's like we can have a conversation a real conversation uh-huh. based on our mutual interests because yeah. we already have you know established that or whatever too, there's a but, rapport and a flow and but yeah those are the podcasts that i like where it's like it just feels like i'm talking i'm listening to my friends talk or whatever yeah it's conversational know? yeah I, I think that that's always a balance that i try to strike with this 
it's like not always easy to do that if you don't have history or rapport. And Mm -hmm. like, so then I will like fall back more on just like a traditional interview style for sure. But in my opinion, the art form is like, how do we take, you know, how do I get to know you or how do, how does my audience get to know you through us having an informal conversation? Right. And, and we can cover topics. We can have things come up, but like, the more that it can be done in this like informal, natural speech yeah. to me, that's like easier to listen to. Definitely. You know? And, uh, I agree. So I agree. all that being said, like, yeah. thanks for coming on, man. man thanks for having me. Um, I'm this excited to have you on here for, you know, for people that are, that are sitting right now, like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> can you give me like a, how do you define yourself as an artist and as yeah. a person? Um, I would say a producer and rapper, like these days, more of a producer, but overall just artists, you know, saying mm-hmm. musician, um, originally from Portland, Oregon, been here in the Bay for like about seven years, but, um, yeah, just, just, um, a, a lover of music. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, as of recently, just, I've been producing like a ton of other people's music okay. and, uh, I also own a PR company, too. Like, I do uh, music PR as well for a lot of artists. um, What's that called? Furthermore. Furthermore. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of behind the scenes for that. But that's been something I've also been doing for, like, the last five years. Uh, So it's, like, something that's kept me relative in the music industry Mm -hmm. and, like, kept me busy and, you know, funded a lot of other things I have going on, too. So Nice. Yeah. What what does producing mean to you? Because I know it's a huge umbrella term that can run the full gamut i mean the most basic is like you know to break it down like when people like if my grandma is asking me or someone who's confused i'm like i make the background music for the rappers so everything but the vocals you Mm -hmm. know i'm I'm doing the entire you know I, i do beats basically i make beats but also like as a producer um there's a lot more that does go into it like especially me because i have such a history as like a rapper myself and um writing that i like with depending on the artist like i have done as much as like co-writing with artists too like i'll help them write their raps a lot of times and then a lot of times now is more like giving artists like a direction of like all right this is how you should do this part that less like le- we'll leave this part of the chorus blank just your one take and then we'll stack this you know kind of like really producing the vocals mm-hmm. too lately um and with some artists it's just like sending them the beats and letting them do their thing some of the people who more have like an idea of what they want to do or the more seasoned people but i've also been working with artists where like yeah i'll i'll give them a lot of direction as far as like producing or just like okay this is what i would do here or let's structure this song differently and stuff like that like so it's it's really like making the songs come to life you know because i also engineer and mix too so a lot of it is in like the the engineering process too Mm -hmm. like adding delays and reverbs and and adding filters and doing all sorts of stuff to really make the song pop you know too so i think that's one thing that like separates me from other producers is like i have a vision of an artist myself too i'm not just like okay here's this piano here's this bass line like i'm like okay here's how i would come at it this is what i would say and and to me like i'm still fly like an artist like i'm like some of the artists i work with i'm like i 
my shit's more fly than like here <laughs> let me give you a little like yeah yeah drip you know what for i'm sure. saying of the situation sure. too so it's like you know i i just i but i found a love in helping other artists you know for a while i was really focused on taupe you know i started out as a as a rapper like in in a group called living proof and then i had a solo thing and then i had another group called t and e and in between all that my my solo music started to like really take off mm. like around 2014 2015 i started getting on all sorts of national publications i collabing with some uh, bigger artists mainly like one collaboration i did with blue like really helped me get on a lot of people's radar like erica badu reposted this video i had done in a tribute to her and shouted me out all this all this stuff was like happening but mm -hmm. and then i kind of like lost my motivation as as like an artist myself but then i found this new love in helping other artists mainly helping younger artists who i find are talented or whatever and mm -hmm. like to be honest, a lot of the production I do, I, not a lot, but I, a good amount of the production I do is free. You know what I'm saying? I find artists that I like with, and we just work on stuff. We just get in the studio, we lock in and make good music, and then good stuff comes from there. Yeah. And other opportunities and other money and other people trying to buy beats come from there. But that's been my philosophy, and I've found like, a new passion for music in doing that, in like helping other people helping produce artists but yeah and I, I just really love music too like and the more i've learned about music the more fun production has has been for me too. oh yeah yeah how did you get started like what 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 was the when did you start like how did you how did uh you fall into this i would say well as far as rapping in general well mm -hmm. music in general like um just grew up in a really highly musical household. Like my mom was just very like um, always playing like R&B and rap around the house as a kid. So I really like fell in love with R&B before I knew it. And like Janet Jackson, like all these type of like early or Erica Badu, all these type of like artists like that. And, and my mom was just like super heavy on that vibe. And then when I was a kid, she, it was really funny because she made me and my sister be like, join this gospel choir mm. that was in North Portland. And we lived in like Southeast Portland. It was called St. Andrews. And then, so we, we joined this gospel choir and like, we were the only two white kids in the gospel choir. And we used to like <laughs> travel around Oregon and, wow. and do gospel. And then like my uncle's church had a really strong gospel choir too so like the church as well like look now that i'm older to look back and realize like man a lot of my love with music or the way my music sounds the way it does is because i really was in church like really experienced gospel music and then i didn't really do music at all like after that for a while i was like just playing sports and like i, d I never did like music lessons growing up or anything but i always like just was a highly like listening to hip-hop like Tupac, Biggie, Bone Thugs and Harmony, all these groups I would really like study their albums, Outkast, all these people. And then in high school, like I saw my friend who was on a basketball team, he just like rapped for us one day. Like my my friend was like, "Bro, you got to rap for us, spit a verse, spit a verse." Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was like the dopest thing ever. And I'm like, "Man, I'm about to start doing this." I started writing raps and then we had these little high school groups and then um 
I had, I had a group when I was like 19 with with my friend Prem called Living Proof, and um, we kind of like we had dropped our debut album. We had like a drop like produced by this artist named Sapient of Sand People, and he was like really popular producer at the time. And it kind of just like launched us into the scene. Like we didn't we weren't even ready to be honest. <laughs> and then we and then we were around you know around the age of like 21 and 22, and we we just had all these fans that would come out to our show so we just we got a this manager started managing us and we just started opening up for everybody Mm -hmm. like we just started playing all these shows like and it happened so quick after we put out our album like i said we weren't really ready and we didn't really have like our goals set out like we were just like dude yeah we're opening for so-and-so tonight let's get drunk and Uh be backstage and just be running around wild you know what i'm saying so and then after our first album, I started producing, like, really, really started with, like, samples. Like, just my interest in soul music and jazz and, like, stuff that, like, Jay Dilla was doing and Madlib was doing. I'm like, man, this, I know these songs. Like, and, and the way they were chopping it up. And I was like, I want to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so my friend Devin, uh, Devin Hu, who's, like, a, a producer in his own right, you know, a big producer in his own right, he showed me how to use Reason like just how to sample and i just kind of took it on one and like just man just started learning the program started you know teaching myself off of youtube how to play piano how to play bass how to just figure out music theory that type of stuff or whatever and and then here we are today you know Mm -hmm. long story again long story long i'm skipping out a lot of stuff but like yeah it started with my fascination of soul music started out with like just being a student of the game and and now i'm just like still trying to soak up all sorts of different techniques and ways i'm still not the greatest musician you know what i'm saying but as a producer like i get in and sometimes i'll be in the studio with musicians and i'll be i'll just take over because i'm like i have a vision as far as what how i want stuff to sound Mm -hmm. how i'm gonna get it to that point or whatever you know so um it's one thing that I try to remind my friends who like don't conceptualize themselves as a musician. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but you still have an ear for sure. And like, we've all gotten an education from listening to growing up, listening to music. Like we all know what, what Man. we like, the stuff that we hear that we like. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people, like I was even explaining to my friend cause I was showing her how to make beats the other day. Like, we all have like a natural not we all but i think most people have like this a natural sense of rhythm and a natural sense of melody that they don't even know like even when you're humming something Mm -hmm. you know i'm like when you break that down those are no you know i'm saying i'm trying to explain it to someone else like you actually are humming the notes on the piano you know what i'm saying you just don't really know where it's at but this little Mm -hmm. you know that is a melody that you can you know i'm saying it's like so we have this natural sense of like key and off key and you know like you just have to listen to yourself too like as a musician sometimes it's like listening to your natural like let let your body do the work sometimes maybe maybe i'm saying maybe other people's (laughs) mind don't work like that Uh but i'm feeling like i feel like a lot of people doubt themselves like their own ability that they have like they're by being able to do something by ear right no you get that's 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 something that I've had to like kind of relearn or rejustify um you know I I was really into hip hop like in in you know my or I think like 
starting like eighth grade, I really got into NWA. Yeah. And me and my boy would just like bump hella NWA and just thought it was so funny. Like just like the amount of swearing uh-huh. <laughs> and just like, I was like, I could almost couldn't imagine that they were serious. You know, right. it just seemed like a joke, right, right, but right. also just like so funky. And then got into high school, got really into, uh, into hip hop music. I was also like really into classic rock, mm-hmm. but, uh, but then I had my friend, uh, you know, I was like really into hip hop, but my friend was always introducing me to new artists. Uh-huh. Uh, but I never really, I didn't really understand Tupac. You know, I was like, I don't know. Everyone says he's the greatest, but I don't really vibe with it. Really? And then he was like, dude, like I was really into Biggie though. Yeah. And he was like, all right, man, like we're doing this backpacking trip. We're going to go up to the Sierras. Mm-hmm. He showed up, picked me up. And he was like, I burned all the Tupac albums. <laughs> and like, by the end of the trip, you will like, you're my, in order <clears throat> to be funny. my friend, that's funny. That's you awesome. need to be a Tupac fan. Yeah. And like, sure enough, we listened to Pac all the way up and all the way back. And by the time we got back, I was like, die hard. Yeah. And like for the next, like, you know, I mean, even till now, but like for the next couple of years, like, like Pac was like my, like, Sure. as a young man like yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to his story Definitely. like i i saw myself in him i had this like really intense like identification with like who he was the fact that he was from the bay yeah yeah that, that he was from marin where yeah. i grew up like it was this big thing and uh and then what i realized started to realize like my junior year was that i was self-selecting in hip-hop for this particular style of beat mm. And all these beats that I like really loved and that I really like vibed with had something in common. For sure. And I was like, oh shit, like there's a genre of just this and it's called soul music. Like it's called funk. It's like, oh, that's what it is I've been looking for. For And then I like, so I came into like, you know, kind of the reverse chronologically of how it evolved. Yeah. I came into soul and R&B, you know. Growing up, my parents always played that kind of music around me, but I didn't really like yeah. have a conceptualization of it being my music until no, I feel you. I went through like found it through hip hop and like so getting yeah, into facts. into that's soul facts. now. Yeah, like I, you know, all, all my like closest homies now are all these like deep digger B side guys that like you know the music that I think is like uh like I'll find a song that I love that like isn't among your like you know sitting on the dock of the bay or sure. heard it through the grapevine whatever greatest hits and i'm like oh this is like a deep cut and they're like oh no man that was a hit in 1972 <laughs> that it that's you know, played out you know yeah, so yeah, like yeah. there i've been getting like re-educated about that by my homies but it's funny because i'll be listening to an album and I'm like oh shit that's that tupac sample, sample yeah, or yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah like i'm always reattaching it to hip-hop that um, happened to me when i like i started working this record store and same thing like my my co-workers would be playing you know isley brothers or curtis mayfield and i'm mm-hmm. like damn i know that but what is it like mm-hmm. like i know that somebody used oh yeah it's kanye or it's uh-huh. someone da, 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 da. yeah like for sure. It's funny how that and, and the way you just described it is is similar to me because there was like this certain element like some like like I, I feel like I, I really grew up on hip hop like there. I didn't really even listen to rock until I was like 
a teenager like like even classic rock like i until or it, not even a teenager like actually in my 20s like when mm. i had this job at this record store like it's the first time i listened to led zeppelin or mm. the beatles mm-hmm. or like any of that stuff really like i was super late on discovering any of that stuff pink floyd you know taking mushrooms and all that stuff yeah, discovered them that'll but get you there <laughs> i was such a, i was such a hip-hop person but yeah. there was always this element like these certain songs on an album that i would always kind of draw myself to and it were like the softer more soulful or funkier ones mm-hmm. and you're right like it's like ah oh, this was the element i was looking for that marvin gay or that al green that feel you know of like this it was soul music it yeah. was like the soul sample in there or the funk sample mm-hmm. or whatever it was you know like and that's you, the way you described it was super interesting like for sure yeah and it you know it was you know going through that you know and i think this is what first kind of stimulated that thought like when i was in my my like mid-20s I started playing keyboard in like a live hip hop group, mm-hmm. you know, that, that my brother later joined. We were called the Optimistics <laughs> and we played a lot up in Marin yeah. and, uh, and we, we ended up like opening for like our first show I think was opening for casual from hieroglyphics. Yeah. It's like, I've been playing with this band for a month. It's like, we're opening <laughs> for casual. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. You know, like, and we opened for, like, KRS-One and, uh, you know, um, Lyrics Born and, uh, yeah. and you know, like, as you were saying, like, it's funny when you're, you know, kind of young up-and-comer and you start to realize, like, it, it sounds such like such a big deal to open for these artists, uh-huh. you know, but so often, like, they weren't even aware of us, they you know? They weren't even there yet. Yeah, like... Dude, I've had some heartbreaking moments right. opening up for <laughs> artists, and I'm like... Is he out there? <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, no, not at all. Hell you know, no. we're always like hoping that maybe they listen to a song. You know? like, I remember like, opening up for DJ Quick and I was uh-huh. like, that's like one of my favorite producers. And there was like 11 openers. And yeah. Like, I was like the 10th. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's exactly. no way he was, yeah. he wasn't even here when I, he was at the hotel for still sure. taking yeah. a nap. <laughs> yeah. And it was, you know, but, <laughs> but my point was that like, hmm you know, in playing in that band, like it was a very painful experience for me because Mm. I was like kind of learning to play by playing shows. Okay. So there was a lot of nights where I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of times coming off stage, being so embarrassed, being like, so like feeling like such a failure and especially having this brother, my brother's like this prodigy guitar player, always comparing myself to him, Mm. always feeling like I was like behind. Yeah. You know, like I started too late. I did you know, for sure. That's a tough feeling, dude. Yeah. I've, yeah. But, but in the last couple of years, uh, you know, I've picked back up my bass and bass was my first instrument, you know, but, you know, I wanted to play organ so bad. I loved like organ so sound, much. Yeah. And, and I built up this like relationship with the instrument that was so intensely like critical and I, you know, trying to study theory, trying to like learn this high level music knowledge and, and coming back to bass, like it was like, I could just throw all that away mm-hmm. and just focus on playing music the way i want to totally. playing the bass by ear by like feel by feel Feeling and that's it. been like yeah 
that's been my approach. Like I've had to be protective yeah. of my love for it, but because like there is this tendency to want to like over, you know, overburden myself with like all the knowledge that there is out there to learn. Totally. But at the end of the day, what's most important is that I'm making music that I love and that I'm having fun doing totally. it. And so totally like good. a lot of that has come by, you know, my brother went to music school. He's a, he's always trying to push me to learn like the theoretical stuff. Yeah. And it's really cool. It's awesome. And I just had a lesson with him today, but every now and then I got to put my hands up and be like, look, man, I just want to play funk for sure. I just want to play what I hear in my for heart, sure. you know? And for so sure. there is like this balance there with, with now that I'm doing it with another instrument and I've like made these mistakes, Yeah, you know, at, it, in my earlier life that caught, you know, and, and, and really do like, even now going and sitting down on the piano, it's painful mm -hmm. to sit down. Like I have an emotional reaction when I sit down at the keyboard. Yeah. Um, and I just don't have that with the bass. Yeah. And it's, it's been, uh, you know, it is something that I continuously am like, I am working on it. I am learning. I'm trying to get better, but I'm also trying to be like fiercely protective of like, this little gentle flame of creativity that's totally. burning with it. You know? Yeah. Cause the bass is a great instrument too. It's so like, I didn't know that I was going to love playing the bass as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I come from like a family of bass players. Like mm. my uncle is a bass player. Mm -hmm. My cousin, like they all play the bass. Like my cousin was like, literally had a group that was like signed to Warner brothers and oh, they had wow. a hit. And my yeah. uncle was like touring. Like mm -hmm. he was Recording my uncle was like the first studio experience I ever had as a kid, you know, because he had a, a studio that he built or whatever. But And then uh, only probably like I would say in the last two years, like I've just discovered I love playing the bass and yeah. me getting better at the bass is like. 70% of why my beats sound so much better than they do. You know, yeah. why people are like, man, your beats have gotten so much better. And I'm like, bro, I just really got better at playing the bass mm -hmm. and like bass lines and then you know of course a, a lot of other theory came but i, I really accredit it towards the bass man and Dude. it's it's fun it's fun you only have to focus on you know really one no mm -hmm. it's like and you can do what you feel like it's an instrument that like everybody you know we live in this culture that's like you got to play guitar guitar players <laughs> are the leader of the band they get all the chicks yeah. they're you know or like you know, like, oh, yeah, shred, you know, shred keys or organ. And, like, those instruments are amazing. For but, sure. like, the the percentage of people that are going to be able to put in the time and effort to, like, really get, that down. get yeah. those down, it it's a select few. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, like, bass, it's not... It's not that like you're less of a musician because you play bass. It's just a different role. It's a support role. It's sure. you're holding down the rhythm of the song. It, you're playing less notes, and that's like one of the things that I love about it is that, like, my job as a bass player is to not be busy. Mm -hmm. It's to like look to 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 read a song and be like, can I get you know instead of playing five notes, can I do it with three? Mm -hmm. You know, like, can I be a little more efficient? And in the way that I play, like, I like, I, you know, I love like funk music. And to me, like the, what I love most about like a good funk song, it's like all these little parts that are simple, mm 
and together they together, make a complicated yeah. song. So nice. like, the guitar might just be doing like, and then the bass is just like, you know, and you have like, you know, so it's like all these little layers and that, I think that appreciation came from all those years of playing live hip hop, which mm-hmm. was loop based. Like that's how my, my mind's always thinking on that reason the grid. Eight, yeah. Eight bar. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like this, re- these repeating sure. phrases and we call it the pocket. That's, that's like when you're playing it live, like yeah. how do you keep the pocket strong? Well, it's like, you know, you don't do too much. You're not trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, like it's enabled me to play, to kind of like punch above my weight class. Yeah. Cause I'm friends with these like world-class musicians who are really talented. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, I want to play with you guys. You know, I'm, I'm probably can't get up on the guitar and really like do Riff something, with, but, yeah. but I do have a role in these jams playing bass totally. and I can step up and like at least hold my own. And like, and I'm happy to play something simple and just support and let my friends yeah. dance all around Go me, crazy. you know, yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's fine with me. You and know? it's such a, like, you need the bass in every almost every style of music too. Like mm-hmm. without bass, you know, th- there's some stuff you can, you know, like you might, you can get away without having horns, or you can get away without having, you know, whatever. Sometimes maybe even chords or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But it's like without the bass line, it's like you know, you're missing something. Almost in every like style of music there is. It's like it's that bass is so it's the anchor yeah it's the booty like people really like mm-hmm. it in the hip-hop beats it's really like it's the butt mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and it's so important like you know such an important piece yeah bass is bass is amazing a lot of people don't know too that like in jazz especially uh and in a lot of the you know the subsequent genres that are influenced by that like the bass is the timekeeper Mm-hmm. We think the of the drummer is being it, and the drums are definitely important in that regard. But like, it's the bass player who is keeping the rhythm going. Yeah, like and you said, the rhythm. Yeah. So like that's that's been for me like you know, and, and and my brother's definitely been insistent on me developing you know and just getting ever more. Like that's where a lot of my work is is like is doing that practice of like getting my rhythm even tighter. Yeah. Being able to hold the rhythm of the song, being like cognizant of how, you know, how I'm playing, if I'm playing too fast, if I'm pushing, if yeah. I'm laying back. And uh, yeah, man, again, it's like there, I'm always also trying to be protective of like, I'm never going to know all the knowledge. Yeah. So like keeping it fun, keeping it, you For know, sure. and, uh, it's been cool, man. We've, we've been doing these backyard boogies here at the house. We got one on Saturday. You should come if you're, yeah. if you're free. Um, but it's just been this really cool little music scene that's evolved where we've got been having, you know, some really good stuff that gets made in the backyard. That's and it's tight. very, like, balanced and being, like, open. Mm-hmm. To, like, you know, I was talking to Tony, my bro, last night about it. Like, we want our goal is to like have the least experienced musician mm. be able to participate if they want to come up and do something yeah, yeah, and yeah, empower yeah. them, but also have the, uh, the more experienced people like there to like keep the music hot, For keep sure. the quality there, mm-hmm. but not have it be too, 
you know, exclusive. Because yeah. so often at so many of the jams I go to, it's like the musicians are, it can become such a weird competitive ego fest. It can be intimidating. They forget that there's a, that the music's there to serve the dancing. Yeah. Like that's really what I play music for is like, I want people to move. For sure. If I can, if I look out and I see people dancing, that's all, that's like what I need in the way of like. Definitely. Uh, recognition of uh, that i'm making something good you know? it's like it's like being a producer and you see and you're making a beat and seeing people's head nod in the studio you're like okay i'm on this you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying like sometimes i'll when i'm making a beat with someone i'll almost just do it like all right to the end i look over and see if you know if they're rocking i'm like okay you're messing with this huh okay well let's keep going or like you know this ain't the one like i gotta <laughs> keep going and, right. and i've been looking for like even when i play beats just like I need, um, I'm looking for a different reaction because I've, you know, I'm like, I've had people tell me my music, I make good music for 15 years now. You know what I'm saying? And so Mm -hmm. I'm literally looking for a different reaction. Like, man, this is good. Like, I don't, that's not enough. Right. Like, I want that, like, Kanye factor. Uh Damn, bro. Oh, I I get up, jump on the table, rip my shirt. Like, that's what I'm looking for is that, damn, bro. Uh Like, wait, hold on. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, I'm looking for that different type of reaction, too. Have you seen those videos? There's, like, that mashup of all the, uh, those, like, famous beats. And it's, like, the video of the rapper hearing Hearing it for the first time. I love that stuff. It's, like, so inspiring. I love – those are, like – I used to just buy every single, like, little behind-the-scenes rap Mm -hmm. DVD back in the day for those moments. Like, there's this – the Carter is one of uh, this Lil Wayne one. And Uh it's, like, him, all this recording. I used to just watch it, like – I used to watch it so much for just those little moments. Like the thing with the the black album with Jay Z, yeah, he's in with Timberland. That's one that of my one, favorite yeah, scenes. That I'll, one gave me the chills. Bro, I show that like dude. I'll be like, "Have you seen Fade to Black?" No. Okay, we gotta watch it right now. <laughs> like I'll stop what I'm doing in a studio session to show an artist. I'd be like, "Look at the way this full Jay Z doesn't even write. He just hear the beat, uh-huh. started going crazy, didn't yeah. write." I'm like, "I love that stuff, yeah, dude. Totally. Like that stuff is priceless, and like that energy you have with creating with other people is like." something you can't like reproduce Mm -hmm. when it's when it's right or not right you know when the chemistry is there it's like oh shit it's lit you know or Mm -hmm. when it's not it's like bro we can't get anything going for the life of us you know and i've been in both of those situations in the studio with people yeah i mean that's such a like the flow when, when the faucet is off for sure like like you can push and push and push it's it's like that with writing rhymes too. Like I I you know I'm, I like to rap. I like to write rhymes. It's I don't do it as much as I used to. But I, I remember like I would be like struggling to like on like one line mm-hmm. for like weeks, mm-hmm. and then like I smoke a joint one night Everything and I write comes. the whole verse, yeah. you know, and it just comes for and, sure. And being so like acutely aware of the that like kind of you know, the, the, the work is like, how do you, like, what's your process when you're not inspired? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's where the work is. How do you, yeah, how exactly, do you meet that? I'm, I'm curious, like as an artist, when, when those days that you wake up and you can't, and you don't have something coming out. I mean, for me, honestly, like I, I just don't force it. Like, like lately my motto has been, well, this, I, this week is different because I've been, I've actually set a goal to like make a certain amount of beats this week. But 
Um, most of the time, I, I, I just really don't force it. Like, I find most of my inspiration through working out, through going outside, through experiencing life, and then I want to come back and make music. So if I don't feel it, I really don't, I won't get in the studio because I don't want to make anything that's just not, doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. too, you know? So that's been one of my keys because I've been in that stage of my life where it's like, I'm going to make a song every day, I'm going to make beats every day, I'm going to make three beats every day, you know what I'm saying? And like... To a certain degree, like, it, it helped me, but at the same time, I feel like you can get burnt out on that, too. So I'm like, let me just really go in, like, when I feel like it and when I really am, like, motivated, when I really have that love. So it's like, I might just go do something else. I might watch a basketball game or I might go to Lake Merritt or read a book. And, and most of the time, I find most of my inspiration comes back after I exercise. Like, after mm-hmm. I go on a bike ride, most of the time, I clear my mind. I gain some energy, I drink some water, I eat some food, and I'm feeling great. You know, I'm like, I feel great. And I feel like getting in the studio and and having, you know, ha- having a good little session or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then other times, like, the other day I knew I had a session at, like, 9. And I was feeling unprepared, so I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to make beats. And I just burnt myself out. And then mm-hmm. I had a lame session at okay. 9 because yeah. I was in the studio all day forcing stuff instead right. of, like, doing what I needed to do to get my mental together yeah. to be ready for that session at 9. You know, like, mm-hmm. I overthought it. Yeah. So it was like, you know, just trying to trying to come at it when I really want to. And it's like no one's forcing me to. I'm at this point right now in my career where, like, I don't have to sell beats to anyone I don't want to. I don't have to do this or that. Like the, I, I don't feel like there's any sort of rush. You know what I'm saying? I'm, mm-hmm. Every time I post a beat, people like it, and, and that feels good. So I'm just doing it at my pace. You know, and I think mm-hmm. some people are probably like, damn, what, what's up with Tope? Because I used to be so, like, just focused on making it. But I was burnt out on the under, you know. But mm-hmm. I was, like, doing three, you know three four shows a month in portland doing all sorts of stuff working and and my i got creatively like creatively burnt out you know so i feel like just taking my time and soaking up life yeah and like i have i, I just have a lot i have to thank california for so much because mm. like just just being here being around the sun being around the weather like it's it really is an everyday inspiration too you know like i never thought that i would live in california or make it to where i've made it to in my life like even even though i haven't i'm not the biggest artist or you know there's probably uh, most of people who are listening to this have never heard of me mm-hmm. before but <laughs> but from to me i'm like i didn't think i was gonna be here or this far or that people were gonna yeah. listen to my music or pay me for music or right. whatever so i'm like i'm just thankful you know like i'm just thankful for the opportunity and yeah i mean i think i think it's so easy for a young artist to like immediately jump in and feel like they have to like support themselves a hundred percent through their art yeah, or they have to like, you know, we're, we're like in, live in this culture that's kind of sick right now, you know, yeah. and the way that we think about work, yeah. the way that we think about productivity, like work, I'm like, even in the Bay here, like I'm comparing myself to like people that work 60 hours a week, for you sure. know, I know I don't want to work that much. Yeah. And because I've chosen a creative path, like I have to remind myself that it's still work Definitely, because I'll all start to feel guilty that I'm not like doing as much work, but it's like, yeah. it's like, man, like 
even though I love it, I also like want to make sure that I keep loving it. Mm-hmm. And I also like, you know, ideally I will be someday supporting myself a hundred percent off of doing just the shit that I want to do. Yeah. You know, but trying to force that could also make it into something that I don't want to yeah. do. You and know? people can tell people can like, especially in hip hop, like people can tell when you're like, you know, you're like thirsty for it or you're forcing it. You know, it's like, at least I can at, mm-hmm. at the point where I'm at in my career or, or other than like people that are really doing it for the love and stuff is happening organically. Like it, it shows, it shows in the work and in the, the, the energy of mm. the person, the spirit of the person too. You know, like I feel that. And it, I, we, you're right. We do live in an era like, I blame Instagram. Like it's just <laughs> so hard to not compare yourself because right. every time we get on Instagram, it's yeah. like we see how everyone else is living and like we're in this. Or at least they're presenting. Presenting, <laughs> yeah. And we're in this state. We're in this, you know, where everyone just shows their highlights or shows their money or shows their car, shows their house. And believe me, Rob, I'm in the same. Like I have friends that are, you know, multi million, platinum, you know, whatever, like millionaires mm-hmm. in Manchester that are like have made it fully and we were playing shows in eugene for 30 people 10 years ago and i'm like damn bro like here i am in my studio apartment by lake mary you know but i'm still i'm like i'm but at the same time i'm big thankful for that but i'm like it's hard to not compare yourself like to like man i should be i i should be as big as as g easy mac miller or whomever you know what i'm saying i'm like but nah, it just it's it's, it's difficult, you yeah. know, and then that can be defeating in itself too. Totally. It's so hard to to maintain that that outlook, positive outlook, yeah, and, and keep going sometimes. And right? and it, to ask yourself like, what would high school taupe think, think about who um, you are yeah. now? Yeah, like, yeah, I like yeah. to ask myself that, like, yeah, as like a barometer for like, sure. Like, what would I say you know, if I met my my high school self? Like, what would he what would he think about what I'm doing now? Uh, you know? Yeah, it's so funny. But also, when you're in high school and you're 18, you're yeah. just like, I would never, I'm never going to do this. Right. And then you're like, later on, you're like, fuck it, let it ride. Because <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel like I used to do that a oh, lot. Yeah. Well, I would never do this. And then uh, now I'm like, man, I, this is a funny thing. When I used to live in Portland, I would be like, if I ever say ye slap me <laughs> because i used to just feel it just used to rub me the wrong yeah, way yeah when sure. i would mainly when people would type it when they'd be like yeah yeah but now that i live in yeah. the bay i get it and i'm like yeah you uh, know what I'm, saying? I'm like yeah area I, I get it you know what i'm saying yeah. but but literally high school taupe would be sick <laughs> to, to hear me saying uh-huh. ye or just you know oh, what i'm saying sure. but yeah that was one thing i like i, I literally is hella funny i'm like i would never say ye and i'm like that's how I felt about the word cuddy. cuddy. Like I, th- I used to rub me the wrong way. Like yeah. in high school, I'd be like, I'm never going to say cuddy. Yeah. And within a year, it was like every other word out of my mouth, you know, it just <laughs> right. like t- fully took on, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's funny how little like trends like that can be. But yeah, for sure. That's that. It's always a good barometer too to be like, man, what would um, what would the younger me and mm. and me being like really coming up as an underground hip hop fan. There were times in my career where I'm like, bro, you're a cat. Like, you're tripping. Like, mm-hmm. this is not – you're saying and doing and putting off the wrong image. Like, like there was a, there was for sure a certain amount of time when I got just obsessed with money and brands and, like, to just the um, material 
side of everything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It was to me like literally it was all about making money and doing this and doing that and like if you're not paying me i'm not rapping on your song if you're not paying me mm-hmm. i'm not as your show you know what i'm saying like like so just on my high horse as far as like my entitlement and and a lot of me had to like kill my own ego to be like bro i love this shit and i think even it probably rubbed some people the wrong way in my past to to the point of like they probably don't even really realize that i i really do love music like i do I do stuff that I get paid for, but I also do a lot of stuff I don't get paid for, mm-hmm. too. And it's because I love music, and I'm a fan. Like, I'm a fan first, no matter what, you know? So, And that's another reason why I feel like I'm a, hum- I, I'm a humble person, and even though I've done a lot of shit, I'm still just, I'm still just a fan of the mm-hmm. culture and the art, you know? And happy that I can contribute what I've contributed, you know? So Do you have a... Do you have, a, uh, do you have like, a standard process when you sit down and make a beat like is there do you start with a certain instrument first yeah i usually just start with piano like i usually just start with chords and then uh find like a a eight bar or four bar loop that i like yeah with chords and then um if i'm gonna keep yeah i'll just break down my process if i'm gonna go uh stay with chords stay with piano chords i might stay there or i might just change those chords to like something other synthy mm-hmm. weird sound change the tone and then literally i take the same chords copy them find a pad i might take a few notes out or make it simpler or make make maybe the original chords open and the and then the pad close then i find a pad that i like or strings and just start layering it layering that main melody till like till it gets to a point where I feel like it's either weird enough or cool enough mm-hmm. to go from there. And then I start with like a real basic drum, almost like a metronome. Mm-hmm. Like I start with just a real basic drum pattern, which is typically just hi-hat, snare, kick. Mm-hmm. And then I do my bass line. And then I'll probably do my melody then after that, like with those original chords that I started, some sort of little melody yeah. change for the chorus and verse. And then I finish my drums finish my transitions and then sometimes uh most of the time i'll add like a vocal sample at the at the very end i might find a vocal chop that i like to put in just to kind of like differentiate stuff yeah but yeah that that honestly is my process of making composed music starting with the piano chords and then you know there might be like leads or other synths they kind of go in that melody part but do you yeah. do you tend to think in a certain number of bars like do you tend to make work with eight bars i tend to go eight or? yeah i tend to go eight and then but i'm also like having um typically my my uh structure has been like uh eight bar choruses 12 bar verses like i really haven't been doing 16 bar verses like mm-hmm. and i know that's kind of like the standard but yeah um I've almost been forcing the artists that I work with to do 12s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, we're about to do 12s. Okay. And we're doing a chorus yeah. and an intro, outro. like. But your loops are eight, tend to be eight bars. Eight bar loops, so yeah, for the most part. And and that's something I need to challenge myself on too is just, is just making stuff less loopy because I am such a like hip-hop person that I mm-hmm. think in these loops. But I want to like – that's there's little things this year that I'm working on um, that aren't necessarily like – the details that I feel like an average listener would hear, but little stuff with EQing, mm-hmm. my swing, um, just little stuff with drums, and then stuff like that, like adding better transitions so stuff isn't so 
looped out you know it feels a little bit more like yeah you know so those are kind of some of the things i've been focusing on this year like in the details of my of my music or whatever but Mm -hmm. yeah i think the eight the eight in the four bar loop and one time this other producer he was like um he was like bro the best songs have a one or a two bar drum loop and I was like, nah, bro, you're tripping. That's hell annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, you need more. You need more of that. And then when you go back to listen to some stuff, I was like, oh, there is, like, a art to that. Mm-hmm. Like, a simple something, you know, like we were saying with the Motown production. Like, yeah. that simple, just a two-bar loop or mm-hmm. using just two chords. Like, that's another thing I've been trying to do is, like, just this, you know, Mm -hmm. back to here. And then finding that groove in there is something Mm -hmm. that Playboy Cardi does a lot, you know, in his music. And there's, like, an art to it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, the simplified chord chord progression, too. Yeah, totally. I mean, simplicity, it's, it's, that balance, you know, it's, I mean... I feel like with like contemporary hip hop too, it's like they've it's gotten almost too simple in a yeah. lot of contexts. Yeah, but uh, a lot of times now it'll be a four bar loop and some drums, mm-hmm. and then just just filter in and out. It's and like then crazy it's how lo fi things are these yeah. days. You know, yeah. like that's kind of part of the aesthetic. It seems like, but yeah, some of it is just like, and, and I've heard even from art like or producers or artists are like, man, I'm not using, I'm not even using snares, bro. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing clap. The snare doing too much just right. to clap, you yeah. know? And, and like I said before, almost as just a metronome for mm-hmm. everything else, you almost just holding it together right there too. Totally. So that's something that I feel like has made my beats better though, too, is like, are you still using reason? Yeah. But I'm Reason Gang, man. Yeah. I'm Reason Gang. Yeah. Like, I definitely... And it's cool because um, when I moved to the Bay, I, I noticed a lot of the big producers use Reason down here. Mm. And that's something that, like, my producer community in Portland, like, made fun of me for. Mm. Which I always thought was so lame. <laughs> like, it was just not the most, like, supportive community yeah. of yeah. Uh, artists. Like... People would rather make fun of me for using reason than like try and give me a tip. But down here, it's more like people use reason. Oh, you let's collab or yeah, yeah. or just whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But I've seen a lot of a lot of producers in the Bay like Pilo, I believe uses reason. Drew Banga, like there's a number of of people that I'm like you know ha- have checked out that I'm like oh they oh they're using reason. That's mm-hmm. tight. You know like and reason itself has come a long way in the last few years too so i'll give them that but i remember yeah i took a class with reason like in high school we had like a audio producing engineering class yeah i, I made a couple beats and i wonder what Reason's they're long fun, gone dude. but i want I, it'd be interesting to go back and listen to yeah to i'm like i i had ableton for a minute and then mm-hmm. my computer got stolen and i never got it back yeah so that's the one i'm i am a little bit curious but it's just that learning curve because i already know how to do everything i yeah. want to do yeah and make it sound the way i want to sound so there's a part of me that's like i ableton does sound dope but i'm like i just don't want to have to relearn maybe that's a terrible way of looking at it but i'm like i just i just don't want to have to relearn this whole I mean, if you have a so much about like with technology is getting to a place of proficiency where you can get it out of your own way for sure and yeah like my philosophy is like whatever interface 
that you've gotten comfortable with to where you're not even feeling the software. Yeah. Like it's hard enough to be creative, you know, like, like do yourself the favors. Like, (laughs) dude, I do, I I could do this podcast on, you know, audacity or I, you know, logic or Mm -hmm. this is all garage band. Why? Because it's easy. Yeah. You know, like my art isn't being an amazing podcast producer. Mm -hmm. That's less about what I'm interested in. Yeah. It's more that I like to have conversations Totally. So like, how can I get to what we're doing right now? Right. Cause I'll get lost in like Easiest all way. the stuff I don't have or what yeah. I can't do. And, Facts. and like, like some of my favorite podcasts are made on garage band. Definitely. It's like, you can't hear the garage band. Yeah. On yeah. The yeah, podcast. yeah, yeah. You know You're what I mean? Gonna, like, oh, this is the garage. Right. <laughs> oh, it sure. wasn't made on, you know, for pro sure. tools. Oh, that's not a legit. You totally. know? Like, and now it's like, I can make beats so fast. Like when I'm making, yeah. sh- or if I'm showing someone, They'll be like, wait, 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 what just happened? Because I'll just make the shit. I can make the shit so fast now mm-hmm. on Reason. Like, literally, especially if I have a loop or something, like, I can make it beat in 10 minutes really quick, like, real fast. Like, um, and so that's, like, yeah, that's part of the thing. I'm like, I, I love Reason. I'm, I'm always going to champion them. Now you're something that I, uh, you ever fucked with one of these, bro? Of course. The <laughs> NPC. My yeah. first... The first thing I ever bought was a Roland 303 because I saw Mad Lib using it on the back of uh, Mad Villain. Okay. And I'm like, I need it. Yeah. And I made the worst beats ever and I sold it on <laughs> Craigslist. But I bought yeah. this off my brother because, uh, like, you know, I mean, Jay Dilla is probably the most famous NPC guy. But, For like, sure. so many of my favorite beats were made on this thing. And, yeah. like, like, I've been slacking. I haven't – I need to – dust it off and 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 do more with it but like again i'm at that place with it with the mpc where like it's still cumbersome to get my ideas out yeah yeah, there's a lot of pushing buttons in order totally but like it's also so sick yeah like like just the sounds that you get out of it yeah it 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 has this dated 90s sound that's like exactly the type of hip-hop that i love totally uh yeah, there's but a I, warmth to it. Yeah, I I'm still at a place though where like a lot of my energy is being spent on like figuring it navigating out. it yeah, and dude, figuring like, it out. So I, like the I, I it it would it would intimidate me. Like I wouldn't I would be stuck. I would take mm-hmm. me all day to make a beat on an NPC. To yeah. be honest with you, yeah. but reason like I could make hella beats and exactly. And that's the funny thing. Like I always wonder what like man I it's just bothered me for so many years. But I'm like. I would have loved to heard Dilla work on Ableton or Reason or something like that because I know his genius would have he would have been able to make the craziest stuff. He was right. already so amazing on the mm-hmm. NPC, like so amazing the way he could chop stuff and just mm-hmm. being able to have like the the functionality and features that some of these DAWs have. Like, mm-hmm. man, it, it makes me sick to think about the stuff he would have made. Sometimes though, like you, this is something that I've been learning lately like you can't underestimate the power of the limiting factors in creativity like people think like oh like more options equals better music or more options equals better output but like whatever the limits are like a lot of times having to work within those constraints are what like what makes it push you to be you know even more fiercely creative and like so many of like the stories of like our favorite music it's like, or movies or whatever. It's like the product produce of like 
some fierce constraints that and problems that had to be solved. And so the solving of the problem was what made the music great or the yeah. art great. You yeah. know, like I agree. There's this amazing show on Netflix. You know, it's it's kind of trash, but it's also like actually really cool. Uh, mm. It's called The Movies That Made Us. Okay. It's, uh, there's a co- there's like a couple different ones of the same. There's like the toys that made us. Okay. The movies that made us though, I recommend to anybody who's like a cinephile like myself. Uh-huh. It's they just released season two, and they're basically like every episode is like a movie from like our childhood. Yeah. That was a hit. Uh huh. And they talk about like the idea. You know, it's like. The movie was a hit because of the problems that came up in making it. Mm. Like because there was all these issues and because of those issues, it gave birth to like an innovation or mm. it gave birth to, for one reason or another, it was the problems that they had that forced them to do things in such a way that ended up changing the whole game. Yeah. Like, you know, like some of the examples are like Home Alone, uh-huh. you know, or uh, I just watched one the other day that was Back to the Future. You right. Know, and like... It's like there was these problems that they had, you know, they wanted a different guy initially to play, you know, who Michael J. Fox ended up playing, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, but they wanted Michael J. Fox, but the producer wanted this other guy. And, but it was because of a problem that that other guy, they got rid of him. And then Michael J. Fox ended up doing it. Right. You know, just the, the story is so interesting, but you know, it's why it came about. Yeah. Cause it, cause of those constraints and. I know my brother's been building his studio out and he's going all analog and uh, he's got his work space to the place where he doesn't even need to have a touch a laptop. Damn, that's And tight. it's by intention. It's because I talked to him and he's like, no, nah, man, like I want to have to make my music just off of the constraints of a that's tape sick. machine or yeah. off of like this mixer board. Yeah. That's his like into the software side of my brain is I want to be and I want to do most of my work just through my instrument right you know and uh that's awesome yeah it's just a cool way to think about it you know and and so like even with like your reason or whatever like as an artist i think like those you are like a cyborg right mm-hmm. like you're interfacing with a computer to, to <laughs> For sure. you know to make this work yeah. but you know you when you've gotten to a place where you don't have to spend so much time like figuring out how to speak through your fingers i think it's a great life lesson too just like the sometimes the stuff that limit us or the stuff that seems like it was you know like didn't go the way you wanted it to go at first it all you know sometimes it was meant to be mm-hmm. like that's kind of where i'm at in my career right now with some things that are happening and i'm like it all made it was all for a reason mm. it all made sense like it was all like part of my journey why I got here you know like these things that limited me the last few years also put me in the position to like do the things that I did or meet the people that I met or make this project that I made or whatever it is you know what I'm saying and I'm like coming to this realization of like yeah it's all you know it doesn't always work out that way Mm -hmm. but I'm like I think sometimes when you can push through and find the positivity in the dark times it's like there's there's something on the other end you know yeah. if you can stay dedicated and and it's the same it's like a life lesson and also a creative lesson too you know like stick stick to stick to it yeah when you were developing your voice like as a mc like i know so often um you know one of the hardest things is like 
figuring out like what do I want to rap about mm-hmm. or like what's my story or yeah. what's my character like what was that process like for you or like how did how did you draw inspiration and was that a conscious thing where you were like actively trying to push a a character or like mm, I think more with the taupe stuff like mm-hmm. when I did my solo stuff that was kind of like there was more of a character with that and that being kind of like the cool guy, the ladies man, the mm. life of the party. And that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily always the person that I was, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But that was the brand that I was definitely pushing. And I think after a while, like Anthony and Tope really became like one person. Like I remember that I had a girlfriend at a time that was like, oh, I get to see Anthony. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the world gets to see Tope. And then it kind of like merged like when things got real popular i just be- started to become taupe in my everyday life mm-hmm. like just the womanizer the dude the partying you know <laughs> and that's just being honest too yeah, but yeah. like when i first started like with my group living proof i think we were just trying to have fun and just say and like i i think we came in 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 portland hip-hop in a time where people were like real serious almost like the hip-hop scene was like a little bit dark just with like the style of production and like the songs was just like um it was just real underground time like and i didn't really feel like other than lifesavers who were in a big influence to us like i didn't really feel like there were that many groups that were just like having fun or making like party music mm-hmm. so that's what we just kind of came in and were like picked funky you know we had like meters samples mm-hmm. and like we had fun stuff on our first album like funky stuff songs about smoking weed and partying and skateboarding and just stuff like that like we yeah. were just kid like we were just kids trying to figure it out and then when the pressure came, I became like, like I said, like that rapper was like, give me some money and I'm going to steal your girlfriend. Like it was like <laughs> this whole other thing too. Yeah. So it shifted for like a lot of people. And then. Did that still feel like an authentic, like, did you feel like you're putting on airs? Do you feel like that was like I fe- still it, an authentic It was authentic because that's how I was. That's like my life. That's like what I was living. You know okay. what I'm saying? I didn't ever, I didn't ever feel like. I was being like a character, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like that, cause that's really how my, like, I, like if anything, I held back from stuff that was really going on in my life. Like I was like, I can't really rap about this. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to tell this story about the three girls I'm dating at the same time, but that, <laughs> but that wouldn't be very cool. You right. know, like if anything I was, if, okay. If anything, I was keeping like this, um, like, on like this this image like people were like Tope's the good guy I would, I would play at like the charity events uh-huh. and like the school like my high school brought me back to play like almost this like good figure but then I was having all this stuff going on in my life where I'm like man I don't feel so great <laughs> I, you know I got hella stuff going on too so if anything I, my life was a little bit more wild than like the my image was mm. you know what I'm saying but I wasn't I was trying to like hide some of that a little bit too to to like remain this like good person in mm. the eye of everyone else mm-hmm. so i don't i don't feel like it was ever like i was lying about it um if anything not being as truthful as i wanted to be about what was going on in my life like even now i have hella shit going on that i just i never talk about or tweet about or that most rappers would probably be like oh yeah da 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 like even stuff that happened, like some of the crazy stuff happened this week with my with this artist I'm working on, with and 
I haven't really told anyone about it because I'm just like, man, I, I'm just going to keep it to the neck until I can really, you know, until I can really talk about it. But I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of like learning the lessons of life. But um, it's a good question. I think if I would have had more of like a vision f- when I started out or or different goals or kind of like maybe made a five or seven year plan for myself when I started out that mm. I would have had more success in the game because my goals were very, I'm going to be honest, my goals were very small. When I, when I started out, I just wanted to play at this local bar downtown. Like I just, like all my friends went to, were going to University of Oregon and I stayed home, went to Portland State and I just felt so left out. I was like, I just want to be a popping rapper when everyone comes home for winter break. Yeah. Like, I just want to be at the bar, like, yeah. playing the show. I showed them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That was my goal. And then my other goal was to, like, get on Two Dope Boys. Like, to get on some website, like, be on XXL. And then when all that happened, I was like, all right, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't necessarily set out the goal of, like, let me build my company. Let me build my brand. Let me turn this into you know a financial thing where i could really eat off of where i can employ other people like i didn't have that type of vision and and in a way like it shot myself in the foot Mm. you know what i'm saying and i'm still branding out those type of things still working on like all you know all those type of things Mm. but i think it was something that i just jumped into it and like i said earlier like when i started we we put out this album and shit just started rolling mm-hmm. for us. You know, we we probably should have been more selective of like, okay, let's let's not do so many shows or let's not take all the money that was coming our way. Like, let's be a little bit more selective. But we had no clue what we were doing and we were just kids. We were just rolling. Yeah. Oh, another show next week? Paying yeah. us 200 bucks? Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? When we could have held out, thrown our own show, got the 2000 and you know, we didn't know. You know, it's all. But that's exciting. I mean, that's yeah. Could, could you do it any different if you did it again? I mean, I feel like that's. But it's like, and like I said, it might all. You know, like if things, you know, hopefully the way things are going with with this couple things I have on the table, I'm mm-hmm. like, it'll all make sense. You know what I'm saying? It'll all make sense, and it'll be why I'm here, and it'll be why I'm like the person who can give advice to another artist and be like, all right, bro, like do follow your heart or don't Mm -hmm. do this or don't do that you know it's like why i'm able to be have success as a producer or this young veteran in the game Mm. you know which it's funny how like i've been thinking about this a lot lately but just how like how much material success justifies the inefficiencies and eccentricities of the artist life for the game like like you could be doing the same like you know, dysfunctional shit in your life. But if you're making a bunch of money doing your art, like that's all okay. It's all know? okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all like how people, the eye they see you in yeah. too. Or and like, how you see yourself. Like, yeah. like, like I, I could be living the same lifestyle I am now, but if I had like a successful podcast where I was making hella money, like I'm killing it, you know, yeah. versus like, there's a lot of questions I ask myself on the daily now that like, for sure that are like, because I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if like, you know, there's a lot of that uncertainty that, that can plague on it. I doubt. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about it a lot. Well, I thought about it a lot, like at the end of last year, because I had like, I had like a, a, 
a tweet that had a beat of mine. It was like a, a video that I had taken in San Francisco, and then I put a beat to it, and it kind of like low key went viral. Mm. And I felt like for the first time, it was like the first time in my uh, career, not the first time, but like it was just like I had so much encouragement. I'm like, damn, this feels amazing bro mm. like I, i'm gonna wake up and make beats because i had people all day yesterday telling me man i love this beat can i buy some beats your beats are dope da, 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 da. and i was like encouraged like i'm like yeah i feel great about yeah. my music yeah I, i am dope you know what i'm saying and that's not necessarily a feeling i feel like i'm always had to like work against that feeling of like man i'm gonna prove to people that i'm good or like whatever it is you know like just mm -hmm. that encouragement of like nah man do it do it do it we love it we love we want to hear it and i can't even imagine what that feels like to wake up to that daily like right. we need some new music da, 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 you know because all the time like you said as an artist you man is this podcast even good are my beats even good or mm -hmm. do people even want to hear this am i my only fan like right you know like that's the whole if i stopped would anyone notice would anyone know you know <laughs> what i'm saying and i'm like man i can't even imagine what it feels like to actually be encouraged or like people really demand it from you like bro we need that new podcast episode when's right, it dropping right. you know and then you're like yeah man i gotta record bro yeah the people want me totally i gotta mm -hmm. drop this new out and then there's the other side of like ain't no my phone ain't, you know what i'm saying i've had both times my phone is not ringing bro or times when my phone is ringing i'm like i gotta get to the stool yeah i gotta get out these beats because i know i have hella shit coming up you know like and yeah. it's just a, it's it's amazing what it does to the men to the mind state and the mental of like being encouraged bring being versus being discouraged mm -hmm. or the motivation you can have from being doubted totally. you know like it's it's fascinating building that uh i think for any creative you know it's like you have to build this like resiliency this you know from that pushing of yourself in the beginning right because mm -hmm. nobody is Like we're all working to get to that place where this becomes like a perpetual motion machine where like I'm working at my craft, I'm working at putting shit out, I'm I'm going, I'm going with the hope that someday like I'll get that boulder over the top of the mountain and it'll start to take on totally. its own momentum and then it'll start to pull me along and then it's like more of like you know, maintaining or it's, you know, I, I'm not the only one pushing for this anymore, yeah, you know, yeah, but sure. you almost, you know, that's like paying the dues in a way. Like yeah. you gotta, you know, do I want this? Okay. I gotta like work for it. And it's a perfect metaphor of the yeah. boulder. You're like pushing it up this mountain and a lot of people, they might stop right when they're almost, you know, to the mm -hmm. point when, to the point where it, now the thing is pulling you along, yeah. you know, it's a perfect metaphor too. And like, I, I look at a lot of people, And I look at my own career just as, like, if I would have kept building since 2014 or if I really would have kept pushing on that momentum I had as Tope, where would, mm -hmm. where would it have been in 2021? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, and the people who stuck to it are, are successful. You look at a lot of these artists who were like, all right, their movement was cool back then, but they just stayed consistent. Mm -hmm. They stayed believing in themselves and eventually you know, it grew and they won and they, you know, they, their brand expanded and all these, you know, I see people go from thousandaire to millionaire just by believing in themselves mm -hmm. or with their brand. And it's like, it's, you know, it just, it just goes to show like stay consistent. And sometimes yeah. that a lot of times 
it feels like, man, I'm about to quit right before something good might, mm. might be around the corner, mm-hmm. you know, like those little memes are some of my favorite to put Don't yeah. quit. digging for the gold and right. the little diamonds right there yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, it's funny too, how I found in like my life, I might be all week feeling like super down, like nothing's going for me. I'm, yeah. what am I doing? Dude. And then I get one phone call. For and sure. suddenly it's just like, <laughs> like, oh shit, I'm killing it. Like oh. things are moving. Like I got things going on. I, you know, it could, it could be one conversation. It could be one, you know, and I'm trying to cultivate that, uh, you know, how many stories are there of these like incredibly successful artists for sure. And you, it comes out that they still feel like they're a failure for sure. And you're like, man, you got it all like the yeah. money, the women, the, the, the life, you know? Yeah. And you still feel like a failure. So I'm like, all right, like that being known, how do I build the practice into my life today of already feeling like a success? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think it exactly. How I do I work that muscle so that I'm already winning? Yeah. You know, then it's all icing on the cake. You know, and a lot of it comes from just that's just how you're thinking about yourself, how you're talking to yourself, how are you talking to yourself too? Like, be being kind to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, not beating yourself up mentally too, and like believing, you know, like, and that's totally it starts starts at home, you know, yeah. it starts with that, like, starts with yourself. I think totally. That's awesome. What what does taupe mean? It's just a. Uh, <laughs> I always get that question. Mm-hmm. I uh, it's just like shorter version of a longer rap name that was like terrible in, that's usually yeah in a common school. story what like, was in, the original i can't even do it <laughs> people have to do their googles yeah, like okay. it's so bad i don't even tell people but it's like from the lyrical miracle stage you know like mm. it's like it was like and the funny thing is is um it was my friend's rap name and and when he was in high school and he was done with it and i'm like so wait you're not gonna be that name anymore i'm like let me get that (laughs) nice (laughs) oh my god i should just say it was flotopia flotopia i i (laughs) and then it just went and then it went to flotope okay which just meant nothing yeah and then it just went to taupe which and then it's damn near just become like my nickname you know it's like my name now pretty much it's funny because like as a kid i went by tony Okay. And then when I started rapping, I went by Tope. And then, like, as an adult, I went by Ant. Like, I started m- introducing myself as Anthony. So it's like I have people through, like, three chapters of mm-hmm. my life. Like, some people just know, like, people I've met in the Bay, like, they just know Anthony. They're yeah. like, who is, <laughs> wait, you used to rap? Like, they'll just be like, you rap? Like, yeah. even people I work with today are like, wait, you rap? Like, they don't even know. And there'll be people I went to like high school with that are like still call me Tony, and people be like Tony, huh? <laughs> or there's people that just Tope. You know, that's like I've been Hobie most most of my life. Yeah, and a lot of my friends know me as Hobie, but I got I like introduce myself as Hobart these days. Yeah, so like I'll be at so many times at like a party, and I'll be like, "What's up? I'm Hobart." This is my boy Hobie. And then your brother will come and say, well, this is Hobie, bro. That's how it's always my family that's like, or my friends that I went to high school with, they'd be like, oh, yeah, this is Tony. And I'd be, it throws me off. I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm Anthony, bro. I've been Anthony for 10 years. Like, I'm not, I don't, nobody calls me Tony. Like, there's something empowering about changing your name, too. Yeah. Like, it is this symbolic, 
Like when I did decided that I wanted to be, no, like I used to be hell of embarrassed by the name Hobart. Like uh-huh. in high school when they would take role, I'd be like, no, no, you can call me Hobie. Like it's, you know, like, straight up, yeah, like yeah, yeah. being different. And then, I, you know, get into college. But like, I just, I've had such a warmer response to that name. People like tend to like just light up when mm-hmm. I say it. And, and then, you know, a couple of years ago deciding like, you know what this I'm the fourth this is my legal name like, why does it why does it give me Harry Potter vibes I don't know oh, why yeah. but Dude. why does it like I don't know why <laughs> but I, and I'm not I've never even seen Hogwarts Hogwarts yeah it's like something like it give it reminds me of that but yeah. I've never even seen Harry Potter but okay. I'm like for some reason like even when the girl said it the <laughs> other day it's like it reminds me of like a character that should be in Harry Potter Dude it's funny that you say that cuz uh you know, when I go down to LA, I like to go to the comedy store. Uh-huh. I'm a huge fan of comedy. And, uh, I was down there, you know, like a couple years ago and I was seeing this guy, uh, um, oh man, I got to look him up. I think it's Harlan Williams, but I always mix up him with another. Yeah. Harlan Williams. He's like one of the greatest stand-up comics i've ever seen mm-hmm. he's this dude he's he was in uh you see uh half-baked oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, like the sure, the the, the sure. you know the guy who yeah. goes to jail and half-baked for killing the horse i'm not a horse yeah or what is, no, i'm not a fish i'm not a fish yeah exactly <laughs> he's like uh, i I'm just gave a... him some popcorn it I'm makes not... your mouth go pop 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 right, right. no, anyway he's amazing hilarious yeah. dude and he's like the king of doing crowd work okay so like his whole set was just like talking shit to people and <laughs> and I went I had my hair down I was like totally steezing and uh and so he calls on me. Yeah. He's like he's like hello my love. Like, <laughs> like where are you from? And I'm like Oakland. He's like, "Oh, what's your name?" And I'm like Hobart. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like So uh he's like so how much is the tuition at Hogwarts these days? <laughs> and like 300 people just dying laughing. And like, I loved it. Like right. to me, it's like getting roasted by a professional. It's like an honor, you know, For like sure. the fact that like I got to enter into this creative moment with this comic and yeah. it doesn't matter that he's, yeah. that he's taking the piss. It was almost out. an honor. Like it was a total honor. No, I was like, I got great. roasted by a great, you yeah, know, like, tight. and, uh, <laughs> and it was yeah awesome. it was it was amazing but it's just funny that you said that because that's where his mind went to right it's like the hogwarts i don't know thing. why yeah it's just like the name like the word dude i would go to hogwarts in a minute if i could get out my letter in the mail <laughs> trying to get that wizard life wow. for sure dude. <laughs> that's tight the, that's tight the, the, yeah i love those books i'm like i'm about ready to to read to dive back into the audiobook series because it's a really good one like okay the books yeah. themselves are amazing but like these days I like don't read nearly yeah. as much and the audiobooks with the pot. Yeah. It just yeah. makes it so much easier. Like, yeah, I like to fall asleep to like my mind takes so long to shut off mm-hmm. that having an audiobook on at night yeah. like, really helps me get into that state of sleep. Yeah. And so like, I've always got an audiobook that I fall asleep to. And, uh, I think I'm about ready to dive back into the Harry Potters for mm-hmm. another listen. That's such a good story. It's, yeah. The movies are trash. I know that's a controversial <laughs> opinion, but sorry, not sorry. Like the books are just incredible. And I was of the generation that like, 
you know, the cool thing about the story is, you know, J.K. Rowling, the author, the books read like as Harry, the character gets older, mm-hmm. the books change from like a kid's book to a young adult book so to a teenage. It, yeah. the, like the, the actual, she's such a great writer that she changed the writing style. The writing gets more complex as the books progress because hmm. they were designed for my generation. I was like 11. I was the age of Harry yeah. throughout that story. Okay. So like every year a new book came out. Yeah. And I was still the age of the character in the book. That's That's a cool thing to live through. Yeah. So, like, it had a special significance in my life. Like, I remember going to summer camp one year when the new Harry Potter book came out. Right. And I spent the whole summer camp in a corner just reading that story because I was so hooked. It was so addictive. Like, such a good story. Um, That's what's up. I recommend it. Yeah. So, tell me about... We've talked about your music. We've talked about producing. Mm-hmm. What's this other facet of your business, this promotion business? Like, how did you get into that? What oh, is, yeah. What is that? What is that aspect of your life? Um, yeah, my PR business. Furthermore, I started like um, a little bit after I moved down here, and honestly, it, it just came from people always asking me. Uh, well, I don't know. It came from. I've kind of like managed the groups I was in and like strongly, you know, was very strong in like the planning of releases and stuff for my music, like mm-hmm. the rollouts and the campaigns. And um I don't know, I just found like uh that I was good at some of that attention to detail, some of the back end stuff and some of the like organization and writing. And then I kind of like during the blog era I got really obsessed with like collecting people's emails and, and it was all through like trying to get my music on these websites but i just like damn near became almost obsessive about like emailing editors and building contacts with people and so i built you know at first i just built this huge like network of bloggers at the time that were that were blogging my music and they just showed me hella love like every time i would release music i'd have like like 30 to 40 to 50 blogs like posting my stuff and it would be from all over the place and a lot of it was just off of my newsletter like organically and so people were always like man how do you how do you do this like how are you getting on all these blogs or whatever and i'm like bro i just literally i've been building this media list for years like every time i would find someone's email i'd add it to the spreadsheet that i had Mm. just kept it organized like the person's name what website they wrote for you know if they responded all this stuff Mm -hmm. and then when i moved down here i didn't have a job and like my money was running out and so people just kept asking me to work on their campaigns and i'm like you know what i think i might just offer this as a service and um it just grew and Mm -hmm. it just grew grown from word of mouth like i still have never ran an ad or like I don't even really talk about it or post about it that much. And it's literally just like um, people word, just... Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Con- like are constantly hitting me up um, for press releases and helping with their releases. Like I have two scheduled releases tomorrow. I've been working with this artist in Seattle who just signed to Epic Records. And like we were, you know, a big part of like his press, getting him links and getting him all, getting him all over the place and stuff like that. And... It's really something that's kind of like just uh, blossomed, like just kind of taken off organically. Like, and there's been times when it 
it was really busy. Like the blog scene is drying up. You know, like a lot of people say, like the blogs are dead, and it's not what it, it's definitely not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So there's been times when, like, my business was I was busy to the point where I had to t- take turn down clients because I had so much going on. And now it's definitely a lot more like manageable. Um, and I have two partners that I work with. One that's they're kind of like silent partners, but one that's in New York and one that's in Atlanta that we source out some articles for and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I kind of just take clients as they come to me. Like mm-hmm. I don't even really push it on anyone. If people hit me up, I'm like, this is what we do. This is what we offer. Yeah, this is what I can help you with. This is what I probably can't. And and I also think just like that approach of being an artist and being like, listen, I've I know what it's like to pay a publicist a thousand dollars and get very little um, results or whatever. So I, I try and one keep my prices affordable mm-hmm. and try and just give people a, a real outlook on like what we can do and what we what we don't do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't sell people any dreams. So, but it's been cool. I think I've just found uh, something that I was good at that I didn't really know I was, and and it's kind of like helping organize other artists, helping artists, like, just tell their story, too. You know, sometimes I'm almost, like, I almost want artists to be like, man, give me some more, like, what do you want your music to say? What do you want, what is this song about? What are you trying to get across? What what do you want people to know about you? And Mm -hmm. those rapper from so-and-so, and they barely, you know, they'll barely give me anything, and I'm like, having to pull from thin air right but i'm like bro you don't realize you can create your narrative a lot of times with this media and this pr game is like bro you want to tell them that you're the hottest rapper in your city let's do it yeah yeah and guess what then people are gonna start saying it right right he's the hottest rapper from pittsburgh right now you know what i'm saying he's got a buzzing single da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. then the the website's gonna post hot rapper from this and then people are gonna read it man you are hey bro you're hot you're buzzing they said you're hot you know it's speak it into reality spin, dude like you can spin yeah this whole thing how you want to do and i think a lot of people don't understand that and like that's just been one of my things is like let me help you like get out there let me help you tell people where you're from what is your story what Mm -hmm. is this you know what i'm saying and like also helping artists with their image like like getting them press photos and making sure their videos are like up to par all this type of stuff too you know like all that stuff is important and and it's little things that i did in my career that helped me win with just like the presentation part of it and stuff that people don't think about or don't want to think about or don't just aren't good at you know some people are like man i'm just not good at i can't write about myself i can't i don't know how to i don't know how to put it into words Mm -hmm. and even like I've had people like I'll be like, watch, I'm about to, I'm about to write this press write up, like, I, like my like a girlfriend or whatever. I'm like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this PR write up, and she'd just be like, where, did, how did you come up with all that? I'm like, I just thought about the art, I just put it into words, you yeah, know, yeah. like I painted the picture for them. She's I'm like, a lyricist, <laughs> right, right. It's like that's amazing, you know, and I think it all just comes from like being a writer you know and mm-hmm. having that like I don't even have a big journalistic background but I think there's some sort of like natural ability of like I just I, I enjoy writing and like mm-hmm. getting getting expressing stuff you know so it's easier too than like having to create out of thin air right mm-hmm. like if you've been writing lyrics writing hip hop songs yeah like that's, I know the that language. is what it is but yeah. it's like 
to write about shit like you already have your subject matter yeah it's like, so it's like almost easier to like bro write about like, shit that's just real you're just describing whatever is for is sure it's like someone know? asking you to do a thesis on the warriors you're gonna be like mm-hmm. oh that's easy yeah i already know i'm about to do clay yeah steph dre totally. steve you know it's like this is my i this is my life like i've always like like how you're like i only listen to hip-hop when i work out i'm i almost have to stop myself from listening to hip-hop because i listen to it so much and i'm like mm. bro let me put on something else <laughs> like lately i've been on this uk r&b vibe mm. and i had like the i had just like such a smooth week last week mm. i feel like because i'm like all i was doing was listening to these like dancey upbeat you know what i'm saying like cool ass new artists that yeah. i didn't know i'm like yeah, this is, oh this is a vibe right here instead of just mobbing down fire lady <laughs> you know what i'm saying just like all the bay music i've been right. listening to was like kind of intense or whatever it is like the energy in in other music you know what i'm saying i'm like oh this is refreshing too you know and also like different mu different like like whenever i hang out with a girl i kind of realize like how much i've been selfish with my music taste i'm like she don't like this song <laughs> but i do right. you know what i'm saying i'm like yeah. i put on some other stuff oh she fucking with this r&b mm-hmm. this uk r&b i'm i'm international now like there you, go. <laughs> you know so yeah how do you how do you uh what's your like main source for discovering new music like where do you look that's a good question um i get i hate that's a good that is a good question honestly word of mouth is like yeah. like kind of just hear about an artist like twitter um my friend actually la russell who i'm working on a pro- who we have a project done that is amazing and we have some incredible stuff coming up but he actually has a company called good company in the bay and they focus on like rising artists and they do like in studio performances kind of with them and that's been a dope way like they literally post almost a new bay area artist every single day so that's been cool like i've found a lot of artists from there and just just twitter to be honest like bay area twitter um i found a lot of like dope artists just from people sharing their friends or whatever too but i don't know i feel like um it's something i don't know if it's my age or whatever mm-hmm. but i do find myself listening to the same kind of the same music i already know like i'm like yeah. i need to like before when i was younger i used to just be all about discovering new stuff and now i do find myself kind of like listening to the same album over and mm-hmm. over again and i had read this article once where they said like once you turn 30 you don't consume the same amount of new music like you'll you may end up listening to the 10 artists that you already liked and just kind of like found like your consumption for new music goes down and i'm like yeah i think that has happened to me a little bit like i feel that for sure like i i do i tend to go back to the same dom kennedy album i like mm. the same summer walker project or whatever it is you know like oh yeah that's my shit i can always put this on mm. and i think i need to challenge myself a little bit more to find new artists like I have a bunch of new artists I'm I'm, wor- I'm working with though, and like I I just actually found uh, artists in the bay that I'm like hoping we can link up and like I think we could make some really dope stuff together. Nice. Um But I'm kind of just waiting to you know see if we if we mesh or have the right chemistry and stuff like that. But what yeah. do, what do you think about like the state of hip hop right now? The contemporary like what is is it something that excites you? Is it something you're not into? Is like, um, 
I love that, like, I love that some of the 90s, like, West Coast feel is back. Mm. Like, I love that stuff. Like, I love some of the stuff that um, people are doing with, like, the rejuvenated G-Funk sound. Mm. Like, I love that. I've not been aware of that at all. Um, Like, uh, Jay Worthy and Larry June and Currency and some of these people, like, just the sound they're doing. Or even, like, DJ Fresh here in Oakland. Like, just the stuff he produces is, like... Very nostalgic, but also, like, has a new flavor. Mm-hmm. So, like, that stuff definitely keeps me juiced. Um, a lot of the stuff is, like, I was watching Rolling Loud this weekend, and I had never felt older in my life. Like, uh, just What's Rolling see, Loud? Rolling Loud's, like, a hip-hop festival or whatever, but they focus mainly on kind of, like, the younger trap artists mm-hmm. or whatever. So, like, I was like, man, who is this person? They're like, you know, it's a lot of, like, 21-year-olds and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. like, younger people. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's some of the stuff that, like, I'm I'm not, I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me, but I'm just, like, it's not really, like, in my stratosphere. It yeah. doesn't really, like, catch my ear. I definitely feel like I'm kind of, like, an older, like, I, like some of the stuff that still has like some lyrical substance like the j coles and mm-hmm. the Nazis and like some of those people like that too but i also do love i, I like young thug and i i like little baby and i like some of these new artists too you know what i'm saying um but there isn't that many people that i feel like i'm like and maybe again that's just my age but i'm like a fan fan of too where i'm like oh, i got it I got to check out, I got to get to their show or I got to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Check out their music. But I've um, had a hard time relating to like trap rap or mumble rappers. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't understand the lyrics for, for starters, but just like the, the aesthetic, mm-hmm. like it doesn't like quite yeah. like, I don't <laughs> see the attraction and that it makes me feel old. Cause I'm like, clearly there is something here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah it's like yeah. not really my, definitely, you know, my experience or whatever. And, and mm. I find myself, like, just kind of searching for a production that I like. Mm. Like, pr- like I almost kind of, like, follow producers more. Or when it's that type of stuff, when I'm not super into the artist, like, it, he'll have to have, like, a, you know, a, a beat that I like mm. a lot. And I'm like, oh, I'm messing with this. Like, mm-hmm. I really like Lil Durk's production out of Chicago. And he's kind of, like, one of the newer artists, like, in in that vein a little bit. But his production is, like... A lot of it is piano based. Like it'll be pianos with just hard hitting eight oh eights and mm-hmm. dope drums and like eerie little sounds and feels and I'm like, oh and, and it's soulful still mm-hmm. at this time. And then mm-hmm. he's kinda like doing his melodic auto tune flow on top yeah. of that. And I'm like, Oh, this is hard. Like <laughs> this is like once I discover this, I'm like, Okay, this is one of the new guys that I like. I could see myself getting into more, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But some of this stuff is uh, is there's like there's a whole bunch of this stuff that like the new stuff I'm just over you know yeah. what I'm saying and and it's especially just the imitation rap like a lot of that is big where people just want to sound like someone else and mm-hmm. you find that a lot in local scenes mm-hmm. where like for a minute everyone wanted to rap like Kendrick Lamar or everyone wanted to sound like Drake or now mm-hmm. a lot of people want to sound like Griselda or whomever is that new part roddy rich was another one that people were just really trying to sound like him for a minute Mm. and that immediately turns me off right like like i was even engineering someone and they were like oh this is my uh so-and-so part where i sound like and it it, like damn near made my skin crawl Mm. i'm like bro don't do that just be you like like and and so that is like one of the big no-nos for me is just like 
when an artist sounds like he's been listening to something like okay he's been listening to drake and now this will sounds exactly like drake yeah so the originality is the key too for a win but um i think the state is just i don't know it's 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 in a weird place like as far as again just where we are with society mm-hmm. like with just everything is every every day 24 7 artists have to be like on their story showing their life like you never get a break from people yeah <laughs> and sure. that part is like exhausting you know what i'm saying like even even when you have friends who are like highly motivated like it could be exhausting like just even keeping up with their posts too oh yeah you know if it's someone that you're not super into but you still want to support you're like damn bro like give it a break like (laughs) you know it seems like it this would be like the least fun time to be famous yeah you know what i mean like i don't and and it's it's funny too because with that like with the way that the internet has become and like fragmentation of audience, mm-hmm. like, like when we were coming up, like it was MTV or it was, you know, with single source, like you're famous on TV. Yeah. Right. You're right, the right, biggest right. rapper of all time. Right. right. And now it's like, it's not like, to me, it seems like it's not so much about becoming famous as it is wanting to be known. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd like to be known mm-hmm. for what I do. Like mm-hmm. you have like a small loyal fan base that like appreciates what you do. Yeah. But I don't necessarily need people that don't like what I do knowing who I am. For sure. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I think that's one of the beauties of the internet is that there's that niche. seven billion people on this planet. Like I already know that my audience is out there. Yeah. You just like, gotta find them. They got yeah. yeah. M- my my work then becomes continuing to make content and make my stuff until the people that like me can find me for sure. You know? And I think that that's yeah. what's so wild about the internet is that like, it doesn't even matter if you're good anymore. It's true. Like it's nice to be good. It's true. You know, like being good is cool, but like there's plenty of people out there that like, just want something to watch or for want something sure. to look to Bro. scroll to, or, yes. you know, like, it's a it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. There's a lot of stuff out there that you're like, you know. Yeah. Like I, my I was working with this guy on set like a couple of weeks ago, and he's showing me TikTok, and like, <laughs> I don't get TikTok. It's the stupidest thing in the world to me. Like, I, there's plenty of obviously I'm the old guy. Like, right. get off my lawn. Like, right, right, like right. plenty of people are on the on Dude, this thing, huge. and lo- it's yeah, huge. It's breaking it's the, people. It's like, the biggest thing, yeah. right? But like, it's not for me it's a whole different cult. Like it's like yeah, that culture inside totally. of TikTok too. And it's too. got, you know, it's, it was hard for me to watch cause it brings up all these feelings of like, man, this kind of like fast food culture of like, this is like, it's like the epitome of low attention span. Like Bro, exactly. Swipe, these swipe, swipe, you know? Seconds, yeah. And it's all know. so dumb and whatever. That's my judgment. Yeah. I, it clearly like, you know, I'm of a different generation and, and you got to give young people their day or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I personally, I, I don't love what it's doing, but all that being said, I am a con- content creator Yeah, and I do, I would be hypocritical if I didn't say that like, Hey, if that's what you can make your, your way doing, yeah, like, totally. and you can escape the rat race of the nine to five life, like all the power to you. If yeah. you want to be a TikTok star, go be a TikTok star, For you sure. know? Uh, 
I've particularly liked to do like podcasts. This, this form like really speaks to me. Yeah. I'd like to do more video, like content creation, like comedy stuff like that. I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like it gets back to this belief that like, Hey man, like there are people out there that will be entertained by what I do. Yeah. And like my experience as a human and as a creator, like I'm always, I, I want to be better. I want to be as good as I can, but I also am like in this modern digital age and witnessing that like, that like quick, uh, like it, it's, it's no longer really worth stressing about like your, if you're good enough for sure, like just make it, yeah. just make your stuff, make just your art, con- put it out there and just have know? confidence. Yeah. Like honestly with when I was watching the festival, I'm like, bro, or watching some music stuff, like watching behind the scenes in studio. I'm like, these people aren't even that good. They just have the confidence that like no one can tell them that they're not good. Right. And sometimes that's all you need is like, I just the confidence to keep going in the face of the haters mm-hmm. like because because uh, i've been there where people have criticized me and then i listen to the criticism i'm like damn maybe i'm not a good rapper but i had a hundred people telling me how much they like my song the one person saying taupe can't rap and i listened mm-hmm. to him like maybe Total damn negativity maybe bias. I'm, you know what i'm saying and yeah. it's like but the people who have the confidence to be like fuck that i'm gonna just keep doing it. even if even if i'm not a good rapper i'm doing what i do and there's mm-hmm. people that like it and i have the confidence to keep going is that's yeah. how people win you know like you especially almost, with hip-hop you almost don't get to decide that you know what i mean like you don't like the artist no longer gets to decide if the art is good or not yeah like that's there's someone out there is going to connect with it. You yeah. Know? Like it's not up to you to, to limit who, you know, like that. It's like, I've said this before on this podcast, but it's like one of my favorite lines from, from this J Cole track. It's like at the end of his album, you know, I, I think it's on Lake forest drive maybe. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's just ad libbing in the studio. He's like, we just did it. Like we just cleared the last samples just cleared. Okay. He's doing all his thank yous. Yeah. And he's like talking about these, uh, musicians that like didn't want to let him clear the sample Mm -hmm. and like let him use their music Mm -hmm. on his album. And he's like this line that stuck with me. He's like, you, uh, you've been inspired by the world. Now allow the world to be inspired by you. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the point being that, like, as an artist, you owe it to the world to share to share your, your art with it. Yeah. You know, like you've been inspired by the world as yeah. an artist, like you owe it to the world to put your art out. And mm-hmm. that's like what I say to artists who are struggling with expression or struggling with putting their stuff out. I'm like, like, you don't even get to be like. Like I have this argument with my brother every other week because he's like (laughs) old school believes that he needs to limit his exposure and only put out the best stuff of him. And I'm like, but that's no longer what the world is anymore. Mm -hmm. Like people want to see the process. Yeah. People want like if you make stuff, people will come for sure. And And it's almost like the more I've noticed, like the more natural, the more you don't overthink it. It's like, that's the stuff that people relate to yeah. the most, yeah. you know, like the stuff it could be just, you could just be in your room, just 
doing it, I'll play a recording on your iPhone, you know what I'm saying? And that should go viral other than being in a big ass studio and having a big ass production and it edited and it looks right. perfect. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, he trying too hard. Right. It's or like, like just yawn. This is like the old way, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, and, and I, and I also get it. Like I can appreciate the classic aesthetic of wanting to make like yeah stuff in the old vein and there's definitely a, like an audience for that too but yeah and i'm not against it but totally. I'm, I'm starting to notice like some sometimes if i put up something with the most simple caption it'll go harder than hey guys brand new song if you could share it i would really appreciate it i produced this in my 19 mm-hmm. you know da, 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 da. like people are like okay bro it was just like hey new shit out now mm-hmm. people are like yeah like totally. it's like the whole it's it's a funny it's a funny way too and it's like evolving with the internet and mm-hmm. us being like these old dinosaurs who are like <laughs> caught in between this era of like all right we're not exactly young we're not mm-hmm. exactly 50 but like we're still like we remember before all this shit was before we had to do all this shit yeah like as an artist it's like you really just had to take like a, a one photo shoot really a year and then just pop up some press photos have an article shoot a video drop your album and then you could disappear and now it's like no every single day new outfit new shoes hair done mm. you know what i'm saying car clean doing mm. something dope in a different city like if it's not you're a bum you're poor you're broke at least in hip-hop that's yeah how it yeah is. you know what i'm saying that's, at least in hip-hop it's like yeah. every day on point louis every day new jordans every day new bitch every day like <laughs> it's like <laughs> just if not you're broke that's you know? exhausting <laughs> it's exact bro I'm, and that's part of the reason i'm like i can't even be a I'm, i don't even want to be an artist like mm-hmm. i people are like i don't even want to be a rapper like yeah. i'd rather be the background producer guy and just let my music speak for myself like that's where i found i'm like it gives me anxiety thinking about putting myself out there as a rapper or always having to be in front of the camera mm-hmm. or on point to where i want to take a picture and, and maybe that's my own like and I think that is some of that is based on my own insecurity, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, which is stuff I'm working on. But like, you know, it's exhausting. Yeah, this era is exhausting for sure. It can be. Yeah, and I think we are in in an era of great change and rapid change. And, yeah, dude. And uh, if you think about our life, we've lived through the most change. Yeah, we're that generation that straddled has straddled like the inner. Like I remember growing up. No without internet. the internet no internet yeah. and then the dial-up internet and mm. now we're at high speed everything and when con- remember how like valuable content used to be yeah where like you know like i remember being a little kid and like 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 you know growing up like playing tony hawk pro skater and the reward is that you're unlocking a little video of a dude skating <laughs> you know like oh that's your god, reward bro. is you get to see some content yes of a of oh my god it's the tony hawk doing the 900 and now like with youtube like that shit isn't everything, worth anything because you can just dude. google anything right? i used to have i used to have like these I, there was like four or five of them but they were like 15 second clips that i had downloaded from nba.com and one of them was like Gary Payton crossing someone over. Another mm-hmm. one was like Jason Williams. Yeah. Another one was like a Pat. And I used to just watch those clips. Like those were, <laughs> that was my ESPN. Like totally. I could, I, I used to just watch those clips all over. Cause I didn't, we didn't have access to the content. You or know, like the like, and one mixtapes that you get at that's Footlocker. That's why those were so know? big. Like, Cause they were like, there was nothing else out there. And totally. now it's like, you could YouTube 
There's you know the N1 mixtape channel probably that's yeah. like every, every day every is daily posted. upload. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And it's the same thing like like what you were saying with the 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 show about the movies like the movies that mattered because those movies were so big. Mm-hmm. Like we we they were huge like the name the ones you named like Home Alone, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Was huge. Yep. Everyone went and saw Home Alone. Yep. You know because it was a huge piece of content. Now mm-hmm. it would be like it's on HBO Max. I might watch it. Yeah, I, right. I might watch like yeah. something else. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like it's like Space. You know, Space Jam Two or something like that. Like it's oh, just I'm not watching that on principle. I want that movie to bomb. <laughs> it's an abomination. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I heard it was just. The I kind of want to watch it, but I also just feel like <laughs> I just don't want to be I, a just data point. Like, I don't yeah, want to give him the stream. You know, what I, mean? I just don't. I don't feel like it's gonna be for me. But I, I'm also like. I try and be like, it's not for us. Yeah. You yeah, know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, like even Steph Curry, like it's for like kid, like kids or, or, uh, maybe not Steph Curry's, but like Lonzo or not Lonzo, but, um, mellow ball. Yeah. Like we might think he's kind of like, he's kind of a clown, but it's like, it's not for us. Right. It's for those kids that are in fifth grade that are mm. like, man, mellow balls tight. Yeah. And I have to constantly remind myself like, bro, I'm not even the target audience. Right. Right. Like Space Jam Two is for those sixth graders it's who true. are like, bro, I want to see Dame and LeBron and whomever else is in the movie, and that's their like, yeah. it's a big deal that's to their them. Jordan, yeah. And so Pippen I'm like, that's tight, yeah. bro. Like, right. that's tight for them. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, as us, we're like, man, we grew up on Mike. Like, uh-huh. we've seen Mike. So uh-huh. what else? What else could be better? You know that's, what I'm saying? But that's the truth. I mean, I, I thought, I thought, why? I, the only part that I was like. Why didn't they have? It would have been so dope if he would have made a cameo in Space Jam too. Yeah, but he thinks it's a joke. That's like, why he's against. Yeah, it. Yeah, he's against. See, it, I'm like, know? bro, that would have been so cool if there was like a scene where Mike yeah. came or played. Yeah, but, or... but again, it's like, why? Like, why does LeBron got to make Space Jam? True. Like, why couldn't he make his own thing? True. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of to me what's disrespectful of it is like, like LeBron James has yeah. made his whole career. His brand is that he's the next Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, why you got to be this other? Yeah. Like, why couldn't you just be your shadow. own? If you're really the next Michael Jordan, then you shouldn't even be talking about Michael Jordan because sure. you're LeBron James. You know? Yeah, I guess I have to think about it too from from Mike's perspective. And he's like, man, this this kid, man, he yeah. just rocking all. Because I have I have like stuff in my hometown. Like it'd be like it'd be like people I know that they have been influenced by me. But mm-hmm. they, I'm like, bro, you're you're literally like using all the same cast of people that i use mm. you know what i'm saying but it's like i'm not getting the credit for or whatever but i'm like mm. i know that my influence is high like okay maybe that was a bad maybe that was a bad metaphor but you know what i'm <laughs> saying but you're like the influence of jordan is there in yeah. in the situation or whatever so he's probably like man i mean for me you know and i think people forget this who who didn't grow up during that era but like as a kid in the 90s like we all like I had a Warriors jersey, but everybody had the Jordan jersey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was this ubiquitous thing where like we were all Bulls fans during the nineties. For sure. Everybody was rooting for MJ. Yeah, it was know? hard to not be. I and, remember specifically when the Blade like 
<laughs> the Blaze, but I've always been a bandwagon fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Blazers were playing the Bulls in the finals, and everyone like in my house, like I was watching it, at, like my cousins or something, and, like the whole house was like Blazers. I was the only one that was like going for the Bulls. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, well, because as a kid, that's like that's more exciting. Right? Yeah, and um, I was just such a Michael Jordan fan that it didn't really matter that. My but I own... think people forget that, like in the modern age, that like LeBron is hated. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's not even really like, like, I don't like LeBron James. So yeah, it's his fault, whatever. Mm -hmm. But also like, there won't be another Michael Jordan because the, the, he was this human that came at this time when the way that media was like, after watching the last dance, you realize like, it was the perfect storm of like media getting to a level where he was like. Totally. The epitome peak at the time when there could be the best. Yeah. Now things are so fragmented. Like there isn't going to be that person that had that holds such a uh, weight we in known culture. Too much about him. Like we exactly. would have been like, oh, we would have seen too much. We would have seen too the much gambling shit. They yeah. would have taken that on one. Oh yeah, and it would have been some woman trying to cool you know, I, Mike Jordan got me. Pre- you know right. what I mean? Just, no, we would have known too much. And they already, if you in that documentary we're talking about what he had to go through with people trying to take him down yeah at that level you yeah. know but i think like just the way that culture is now mm-hmm. like we were talking about like the audience has become fragmented yeah as it's expanded right yeah. like we all have access to everybody now mm-hmm. uh and sometimes too much access to have like yeah like i remember being a kid and like michael jordan was like a magical creature to me. Yeah. Like I would have these fantasies <laughs> like those movies about the kid that finds the like magical beast. Yeah. Like I'd have those same kind of like little kid fantasies about like going on an adventure with Michael Jordan, you know, <laughs> right, cause right. he was like this big, like he was a, a God. He was a magical yeah, he was bigger than life for sure. You know? So yeah. like, and these days, like I think that like, our imaginations like there isn't as much room to have those kind of fantasies because you've got 24 hours of like Steph Curry sure. TV exactly. on his Instagram. Like there isn't space for the fantasy because the reality is like all, so always there. on. Yeah, you know? definitely. Definitely. I blame Instagram for everything. <laughs> Cause like it wasn't that crazy before Instagram Yeah, and like stories and all this mm-hmm. shit is it's, it's like even Twitter wasn't that bad. Facebook wasn't that bad, mm. but Instagram is where it changed. Okay. I feel like it's the only one that I actually use. <laughs> I feel like Instagram is where it just people just changed and like the whole like bow wow challenge and catfishing and mm. just people just per like you said, just showing this one aspect of their life or whatever it is you know what i'm saying even the way the picture is cropped into a square it literally right. does not show the whole picture yeah you know what i'm saying and that's perfect for instagram and i feel like so many people especially not to not to like call them out but especially women it really affected people's mental the way they think about themselves mm-hmm. or other people and i feel like it's a big part of the reason why a lot of women get surgery or get, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or men too. Like even the stuff, like, you know, just comparing themselves to other people, just yeah. everything, you know what totally. I'm saying? But I feel like uh, it's been hard on women for sure. Like with just the, the standard of beauty mm-hmm. and seeing like you go through Instagram and women just, they don't even look real, bro. Like, no. and then imagine Aliens. being a woman who's like, right out of shape bro and then you're uh-huh. just feeling like oh i'm just worthless 
<laughs> I mean, I know that I feel that way as a dude, like, for like sure. looking and comparing myself to these, like, I'm like, how do you get that cut? Like, Bro, just people I, are too buff. <laughs> like I was talking about that, my friend, like people didn't used to be this buff. Yeah. Like people are so in shape, oh, like crazy. the gym and it's all for me. It's all from Instagram. Yeah. It's all that, like that Instagram era. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like this. Like it really wasn't like this. I wonder like if in the future, the pendulum's going to swing back to like the the ideal being a little bit more natural, and if we're going to look back at this era, like look at like it's how weird it was, the, like, you know, <laughs> it has to because like I I hope I don't know because these these like I know so many girls like girls who are already pretty and they're getting surgery That's like so like sad. you didn't need to like you didn't need to have an ass like that. Mm-hmm. Like you were already beautiful the way you were, but like you're just telling yourself, I have to have like a stripper ass. Like mm-hmm. I have to just be like or just whatever. Like, and I'm like, it has gotten a little outrageous with mm-hmm. some stuff, especially just like the other cultures trying to emulate the black woman because mm-hmm. it's all based in like the black woman. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're all trying to look like the black woman, whether mm-hmm. it's big lips, big ass, mm-hmm. big hips, big whatever it is. Even people trying to darken their skin. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. It's like because bodies are a little nuts. Like you know what I'm saying? Some like. Maybe maybe this is just – and I say this to some people and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But maybe this is just like the people I hang around or the, mm. the circle I'm in mm. or whatever. But I'm like, I see it so much with women and like people's asses are crazy. You know what I'm I saying? I mean the asses like, have definitely changed. The that's asses for sure. have changed, bro. If you look and at like, like a 90s movie and you see what like movie star butts look like and then you like look at today. Or yeah, like, dude. And I'm like, crazy. will it go back to normal or yeah. is this just cause, – because I think even today like – People are over the BBL like like uh, butts. They're like, man, mm. this is just too. This looks crazy. It doesn't even move. It doesn't <laughs> shake. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this it is looks, whack. some of those look like they got a big diaper on or it something. It looks whack. Yeah. Like the the leg to ass ratio. Yeah, you know, it looks crazy. So I'm like, will it ever like the natural you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that natural look but it's like the girls who have that natural look they they're winning automatically off top right but will people will skinny ever like remember how the 90s and i'm not saying mm-hmm. i want it to but like will that ally mcbeal look come back right like where people were like i remember my in high school my girlfriend had like hopefully she doesn't i don't know why she would be listening to this but she had like the biggest ass like in our in our class but mm-hmm. she used to always wear like a sweatshirt like she would tie mm-hmm. a sweatshirt She's around like her waist because she was embarrassed and now it's like yoga pants mm-hmm. what it's like you're sh- any type of ass is being like lifted up and squished and shown mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying but i remember when it was like girls would especially a white girl with big ass she was like yeah i'll get made fun of like it was like a weird thing yeah it's, it's <laughs> body fashion it's 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 pretty crazy. It's a trip. Um, I blame Instagram. Instagram. Back to um, it. Tight man. Well, let's let's wrap it up with, uh, you know, what, what what's on the horizon for Tope? Like, what are you looking forward to, man? What are you um, excited about? In the yeah, future? I ju- well, I have two pro. Well, I have two projects that are out this year that I produced um, fully myself. One from an artist named B3 is called Truth Hurts and he's a San Francisco artist and then another one called Lucky Black Sheep 
and he's a, a singer from Oakland. So those two are out. I'm really proud of those. I'm always proud when I get like a whole project that I produced myself. Yeah. And then I just finished another project for my friend Pricey in Portland, which is his debut album, which I'm really excited about that because he's kind of been like a hidden gem of the Portland rap scene and has never mm. dropped an album. So we finally like got together and did it. And then an artist that I met in Valle- what's, what's that album called that's coming out? It's called... Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got him on the spot. Bruh. Um, wow. What is the album called? I'm not... I'm looking at my friend's text messages right yeah. now. I can't even think of what the album... I th- well, I know we we're going to call it... I left my. I know. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. There what isn't it's a called. name yet. There is, but I forget what it's called. I can't remember this. Mister Promoter here, man. You're man, dropping the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the terrible part. The other project I'm about to announce. I don't know the name of it too. Okay. But I met this artist named La Russell in Vallejo, and he's amazing, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna. I'm literally gonna have to send you his stuff when we're yeah. done because he like. And I, not to take away with any other artists that I've ever worked with, but he's just different. He's just, like, doing some incredible things right now. Like, mm. I've literally, in a matter of a couple weeks, I've seen him go from 10K followers to, like, 42 on Instagram. Wow. He's, like, got posted by The Breakfast Club, Hovain, all I Just he's, like, doing some incredible stuff in the industry or whatever right mm-hmm. now. Um, and I produced his next album that's coming. We're going to drop in September. Nice. And it's just the name of his bike. Like a Trek bike. I forget what it's like. R7 something. I forget. Okay. It's just like the name of his bike. Yeah. But it's like we really made an incredible album together. We met this year or we met at the end of last year and we did like 14 songs just like 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 I've been talking about like incredible chemistry. And he had built up. He has like a whole fan base and company and thing going on. And we met and um, we're both just like, bro, I think this is the best thing we either of us has ever made yeah and um we literally like he has just had offers from everybody in the industry Mm. right now for this project like like no joke everyone in the industry he like met with la reed on monday and he like well you know loves it so we're we're just planning out this project man and it's it's really kind of a weird time because um it's super calm right now but i know when when this releases like it's it's gonna be a really fun and exciting time for both of us and like we already have some stuff planned that's just gonna be crazy like really one in a million type of stuff going on with him right now so i'm super excited about that and and just trying to like grow as a producer and brand myself and get ready for like what's on the way hell yeah but yeah like i said like everything that i went through in my career all these weird twists and turns have led me to this point of like me and the Russell's project might end up just being like something really crazy out of this water, you know, and um, it's shaping up to be something really special. So, mm. so I'm like, man, that, you know, everything might make sense soon. It yeah. might really start to click. And um, yeah. it's been like a really encouraging feeling and just like calming in a way of like, man, I, I I think we did something here. Nice. Know? So I'm literally just like trying to not talk about it too much, mm-hmm. although I just blabbed about it for five <laughs> minutes. But like, but like day to day, I'm trying to just like keep my expectations low and um, 
not talk about it too much and not block my own blessings and just just be like supportive of what's going on but shit is crazy right now bro like the stuff that's going on with him is is really like amazing to watch and i i I honestly just thank god for like putting me in the position to have made this project with him like I, i really genuinely feel lucky to have met him at the time we did and be able to like like i said give this this artist a canvas to do his thing and like it's so weird because i'm from portland but we made like a real bay area like feel class like mm. new classic feeling album it's really nice. kind of crazy Sick, but dude. yeah so can't wait to hear it yeah i'm excited about that tight well uh well tote man dude thank you so much for coming yeah, on the bartcast it was like great combo yeah it was that's that, that that's the art form man that's what we do um, that's what we do how do real quick how can people find you um, on social media, uh, it's Tope, I-T-S-T-O-P-E. And then um, for all things Tope, I have a website that's it's Tope.com, okay. I-T-S-T-O-P-E. But yeah, um, I would say, honestly, like my Twitter is where I'm most active. I don't mm. really post on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. that much. I need to get a little bit better about my Instagram. But like, yeah. as far as like new music or snippets or just little stuff that I'm putting out or just my own jokes day to day comedy yeah um at twitter is the one okay. definitely follow me on there so. and that's it's taupe as well yeah it's okay. taupe yeah and then furthermore on instagram yeah furthermore on instagram with a v f v uh r t h e r m o r e that was like yeah. a little bit of anxiety <laughs> right there like i was about to was a spelling bee or something yeah, yeah. oh my goodness uh yeah furthermore man if there's an artist out there and you're looking for help man hit us up we'll we'll definitely We'll definitely, you know, get you right. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Oh. And best of luck to you. Man, I, I, I hope it's just, it's only ascension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, special thanks to Tope. Thank you so much for coming on. Had a had a really amazing time talking and uh, hearing the story. And uh just wanted to let all y'all know, I just got word today that the album that we were talking about, the La Russell album that, uh, that, that Tope was super excited about, will be dropping this Sunday on Spotify, and the album is called Marlin 7. So uh, y'all should go check that out. I know I will. It's going to be dope. And, uh, you know, on, on this show, when I do have, uh, you know, musical guests or guests that, that are musical artists, I do like to, uh, you know, when possible, uh, put some of their music on the episode. So Tope was, uh, was generous enough to, uh, give me permission to use one of his songs. Um, so that's going to play us out. So this is again and again by Tope. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, be well. Have a great week, everybody.
first they hate, then they love, then they hate you again. I never spent time my haters trying to make it my friends. I was rolling in my bucket trying to make it a Benz. Yeah, I took a couple L's trying to make it a win. Said if we did it once, we gon' do it again. Little mama take the tonic, then I'm taking the gin. If we messing up the pick, we gon' take it again. I never drink too much, I be taking a spin. At the club, you can go bottles. At the school, I'm a role model. On the strip, and I know models. Couple strip and they don't matter. Uh, back up in this thing till they know my name. Stacking up my chains till they know my aim. I'm trying to pitch in on a party like Quick did. Say praise God, I'ma need a witness. Uh. If you ain't getting money, take your broke ass home. If you ain't got a hundred, get your broke ass home. Little mama got some, and she shake up on me fast. I ain't even got a ass, I ain't even got a pass. I just walk through the gate with my face like mace. Might do a little ditty bop, you know that my city rock. Said a little prayer for my man just to get him high. Who knew you could hit the cam like it's Juju? New cool, playing old songs on my Bluetooth. I be on my bounce back, how much for the ounce flat? I'ma need to count that, I don't even count that. But until then, I'm just working on my come up. It's a few checks, I just really plan to run up. Broke ass home. If you ain't got a hundred, get your broke ass home.